Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber. I'm Jay Stiggy. And we are all back together, a group, a trio once again. So uh, we can really dive into Georgia's land taxes today, but we're not going to do that until we cover a few bits of feedback. The first bit of feedback is from Jan Christian Refsgard? Refsgard. Refsgard. Okay. Talking about the we talked unions. About, yeah, we talked about unions and coal miners and how they... Uh, I, I like this context for it. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm talking totally up my ass on this stuff, <laughs> uh, which is like having a vague idea that unions were great, and then you guys convinced me that they were wrong, that they were bad. <laughs> right. And then I was like, aw. Yeah. And so, it's because I didn't have any real solid knowledge, I, had, I was very easily persuaded. Um, but this is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they were paid, uh, instead of money, they are given, like, company script of, like, you know, here, have some whatever company bucks. You guys can buy stuff at the commissary with it. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of inferring from what he calls the... the that, that's basically what it was, yes. Yeah, pay in U.S. dollars instead of company script so we can actually work for your competitor without losing all our money. That was one of their demands. Yeah. Which I think is a totally reasonable demand. You should Absolutely. be paid in U.S. currency if yes. you work here. What yeah. is company script? It's it's like, you know, Amazon bucks. Okay. Or or yeah, Kohl's no, dollars, it. you know? I'm just wondering, yeah, what can you buy with Kohl's dollars, I guess? I mean, just Kohl's clothes, but with Amazon bucks, you could buy literally anything as long no, as I mean, it's from can, Amazon. If you're a coal miner... Like, oh, cool. Well, they had their own um, on-site or in-town stores, which supposedly had everything okay. you needed, but also could charge, you know, prices that were not competitive because you you have to buy at the store. You can't take your yeah, script into a different town and buy sounds, stuff there. That sounds really It was complete exploitable. bullshit. Yeah. It was... Exploitative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, let's uh, set all the prices so we take back all our script every month. And then the other, about 50% of their demands were about the weight of coal as the company supplies the scales that weighs the coal, personnel, mm. and carts to measure coal, and they got che- uh, they got um, paid by the ton. And also they would even change what the definition of a ton was. <laughs> so they just got cheated a lot. And I wanted to pull this out because unions actually did a lot of good stuff back in the past because this shit was complete bullshit. I could see this sort of stuff being instructive I imagine that there are beneficial cases for unions today. You know, I, I think that the, probably the only reason that Amazon workers aren't paid in Amazon bucks is because it's illegal. Is it illegal? I, it I'm not sure. Is illegal. I would have to think that it is because if it wasn't, they definitely would be paid in Amazon bucks. I uh, don't know. Do you think? Maybe. I think enough people would be like, no, we want US dollars so we can pay our fucking taxes. You're right. They'd have to find somebody to pay their taxes. Anyway, I like this, though, about the, you know, I hand you what I know to be, you know, 10 pounds worth of stuff. And you're like, feels like six to me. Let me check my scale. <laughs> And you're, you're like blocking the number. Yeah, it says six. And, uh, yeah. you know, oh, we're measuring in, in metric pounds now. So that's different than what pounds you think. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's, that's solid. The unions really did some great things in the past. And it was just some of the modern, a lot of the modern problems that. They're not like equipped for. Yeah. The other thing is, and we haven't actually got any feedback yet because the episode just went live for patrons today and is going live in a few days. So most people haven't heard our latest episode, but in our latest episode, me and Steven were talking about the coming of uh, AGI and what we can do about it. And basically, our answer was nothing. So uh, let's let's just try to live life and cross our fingers and hope and not worry too much. Uh, but Eliezer wrote a post about this back on April 1st, so possibly an April Fool's Day post, where he suggested death with dignity, <laughs> where he proposed that we assign ourselves dignity points for how far we get in solving AI or solving the alignment problem before AI actually destroys us. 
And if we, you know, don't do any work at all, well, that is zero dignity points, and we just really lost the game. But the closer we get to 100, the better we did, and the prouder we should feel of ourselves before we're all wiped out by AGI. And <laughs> it's it's a great little jokey post, uh, but also very doomy. Um, but I saw a interview on YouTube with a guy who works for an AI company. He said, actually, this is a really great way to phrase it, I think, because it sort of gives people something to shoot for if... If you just tell people we're probably not going to solve this and we're all doomed, nothing's going to happen. But if you at least go for like some sort of dignity points to game the system, <laughs> maybe some people will go for dignity points and and you know try to have some fun. And that is the one thing that could actually maybe get us to alignment if people are just trying to go for death with dignity and we somehow managed to cross that line anyway. So I, I thought it was a fun way of motivating people to do an impossible thing. So who's counting the dignity points though at the end if we're all paperclips? Us. Just before the paper clipper comes, okay. really quickly do some quick calculation. We're like, all right, 67 out of 100, not bad, not bad. I mean, <laughs> I, it was I, a good I, run. I'm a big fan of, you know, uh, truth oriented view to reality as well. But I feel like if, if I was watching the paper clip monster come towards me, I'd just be like, I got 100. I'm going to just delete myself for the last three seconds. I fucking killed it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I like the TLDR at the top of the post. It's obvious at this point that humanity isn't going to try, isn't going to solve the alignment problem, or even try very hard, or even go out with much of a fight. <laughs> Since survival is unattainable, we should shift the focus of our efforts to helping humanity die with a, with slightly more dignity. <laughs> Just it's so defeatist. We're not going to solve the problem, or even try very hard, or even go out with much of a fight. <laughs> ouch. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> At least that might get people to put up a bit of a fight, which, if nothing else, could delay timelines a little bit, which could get you the rest of the way there. Who knows? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our main subject today is Georgist land value taxes, uh, which were... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to just emphasize that they are Georgist, not Georgia's land taxes. Yes, named after Henry George, and therefore Georgist. Um, Stephen, what's the biggest problem with UBI that we've all thought is the biggest problem with UBI? Where's the money going to come from? No, that's okay. pretty easy. Just taxes. Uh, second problem would raise the uh, cost of everything else. There we go. Okay, is that what you're going to say? I was thinking the like something about you know people without the motivation will just eat the UBI. And oh then yeah, we'll sit around and play video games all day. And so what's your purpose if you're not forced yeah. to work if you have to, to eat? See, I don't yeah. think that's a problem in so much as it is a benefit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm thinking like that's just like if you have a certain mindset, a problem. I'm thinking that if everyone on in the U.S. got $1,000 more a month, then rent would just go up $1,000 a month. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's... So that said, though, if you just skip your rent for one month, you can, you know, everyone can buy a gun and take it out on their landlords because <laughs> the, the giant, the, you know, the, the multi-trillionaire at the top of this who owns all the apartments who's re who got to increase rates for $1,000 a month for every place across the country. Yeah. I think that people would probably just revolt at them. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's not just one landowner in the United States, unless you count the government. <laughs> I, I think I'm picturing the people who own like the conglomerates of companies that own. Um, there's not one person or even one company, but there's a handful at the top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is actually the problem that uh, Henry George was trying to tackle. I think just real quick, my, my my inclination there and thought towards violent rebellion is fueled by the less wrong posts coming to you at the end of the episode. So, oh, yeah. okay, right. cool. <laughs> I was like, I don't usually go to straight to buy a gun and shoot people. Why would I go there? Oh, because I read the less wrong post yesterday. Ah, wow, and that made you want to buy guns and shoot people. No, he just advocates for it. Kind of. We'll get there. No, he doesn't. All right, we'll find out. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm excited now. <laughs> yeah, that is that is not what I got from that at all. But okay then. Um, 
Yeah, the, this was in the 1800s, and Henry George was looking around. He's like, we should all be obscenely wealthy. The Industrial Revolution has increased productivity of human, humankind by a hundredfold. Used to be two-thirds of the people had to be employed just growing food to feed the, the population. And now it's down to, like, in modern days, it's down to, like, less than 2%, right? We've automated a lot of farming. I almost want to say statistically nobody works on farming food, but... Two percent is a actual number, so yeah, it's, it's not zero point zero two percent, right? Yeah. In terms of material wealth, we just we have so much; it's ridiculous. And yet, there's still people living in poverty. How the hell did this happen? When someone working for one day can get as much done as one of our ancestors could get done in a hundred days? He looked around and he said, "Well, it looks like it's because the rent is too damn high." I'm going to come back to that a few times because it's funny, but also because it was several times mentioned in this post from Slate. No, not Slate Star Codex. Astral Codex 10. I keep calling it the other thing because I'm I'm old and I'm set in my ways. Slate Astral Codex uh, 10. 10. Cool. <laughs> uh, Slate 10 Codex. Which was a book that reviewed uh, George's land taxes and what they're all about. But I'm going to give a quick overview of what the problems are with modern taxes, and what we can do about them. Is the problem taxes or is it rent rates? Or are those related? Well, I mean, they are related, but uh, tackling both of them helps you understand both of them, I think. Because this is a, a tax proposal. Yeah, like a instead of the current system or the current... Anyway, you were about to explain it, right? So I was about to explain it. One of the things that everybody hates about taxes is taxes feel like stealing. <laughs> I, I I even remember a interview with um some Afghani peasant somewhere uh, a few years ago where someone was explaining taxes to them. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we have those. And warlords, they steal your stuff. He's like, no, 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 this is taxes. And they explain taxes. And he's like, right, yeah, they steal, the government steals your stuff. I get it. <laughs> I feel like the person wasn't doing a very good job of explaining taxes. Well, like, I could steal man a little better than that. But like, you know how, like, how you drove here on roads <laughs> and it has lights and everything along the sides yeah. and there's street lights and everything? You know how, like, no one came to your house with, like, you know, and, like, you know how you didn't, you didn't have to pay to drive here? Um, that's where taxes go. What, you know? what if you didn't want the road? Somebody said, I want a road. I'm taking your money to build the road. I, I And I get, like, this is where it goes. But I, I think that if someone, if you explain that to this, this peasant, then they would be like, oh, you mean, like, all the free shit we get to enjoy, like, you know, firefighters and stuff. I forgot. That's what taxes do. Okay, yeah. The warlords just take it and spend it on whatever, hookers and blow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very I, important I, to keep those industries going. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving a hard time. But yeah. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. It, it, it feels like that. It feels like you did something, you created something, you worked hard, and uh, then somebody else comes and takes some of that. And that doesn't feel very fair. But we do all recognize it's necessary because we do want things like roads and law enforcement and whatever. And social security when we're old. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. And am I the only person, whatever, I can't help, I guess, but be a distracting wet blanket. Hmm. Um, look at this wet blanket over there. Um, when I when I take a job or get a paycheck, I, I just, I look at the number that it says at the bottom. I don't look at how I didn't get 27% of my check, right? Right. Because I got 100% of my check. Yeah. Like, the fact that I'm going to lose 27% of it to the taxes is just expected. Yes. Like, so I, I take that as part of the cost of working there, right? That is the point of payroll taxes, that you don't ever see the money, and so it doesn't feel as bad. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, is it doesn't feel like theft to me, because I don't actually have to give away any money. I just never right. get it. <laughs> and so, I real so, like, what it is, though, is, like, my job pays X amount of dollars. What it actually pays is 73% of X amount of dollars. Yeah. And I just know that. Right. I mean, I guess 
if if you were correctly indoctrinated, then you just know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm correctly indoctrinated. I think because there's nowhere that I could do this job where I could get paid 100 percent of the of the cost of doing it. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. like I said, we all recognize it as a necessity. Or if you if you can see behind the the lie, Stephen, we see it as theft. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, Scott Alexander says that it is a very non-central example of theft because when people steal from you, you get nothing back from it. Right. Whereas when the government steals from you, you get dead brown kids back. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oops, you I got, went there. I, I should not have gone there. But no, you also no, get funny. sewage and and lots of electrical power. Yeah. I mean, we get, we get all the stuff that we like. You know, like you got you got air conditioning and a fan running in here. You don't have to, you don't have a generator outside running, you know, to get power in the house, you know. That's... Power just comes to your house. Well, I mean, I do pay for the power. You pay for the power, but like having it come here. That infrastructure was paid for with taxes. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So it was actually the infrastructure for internet, but we still yes. pay for that. Like it's not a utility, but that's a whole other argument. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where were we? How what? Georgist, fix, fix, fix this for us. Okay. Importantly, anytime you tax something, you disincentivize it. Uh, whenever you tax labor, you get less labor. When you tax investment, you get less investment. It's just the thing. When you increase the cost of something, you get less of that thing. What makes a piece of land valuable, I guess, is what it all comes down to. Because you can get an acre in the middle of the desert in Nevada for almost nothing. But an acre in the middle of downtown Manhattan is ruinously expensive, even if there's absolutely nothing on it. Especially if there's nothing on it. Well, you know, it's probably worth more if it has like an office building on it. Because then you have an office building that you can rent out right away. You show me an acre of, of open land in Manhattan. Well, right. But yeah. yeah. But even assuming it had nothing on it, it sure. would be worth far more than an acre in Nevada. And the question being, what makes that acre in Manhattan so much more valuable? People and jobs nearby? That's yeah. basically literally it. The tricky part about this, then, is that if you have a piece of land and it goes up in value over, say, the course of 10 years without you doing anything to it, it's because the people around you were doing things. More people were moving in. They were building houses. They were doing whatever. Uh, the community has gotten better. So you have profited off the labor of everybody else around you without you having to do anything at all. And that feels kind of unfair. But more importantly, if the government were to tax how much your property increased in value due to the work of everybody else, that seems legit because you didn't do anything. It was everybody else. And why do you get all the benefit of your property increasing in value from everybody else's work? What benefit does your property being worth more actually give you until you, you sell it for a lot until more. you sell it? Yeah. So oh, you can rent. You I guess can, you could rent it. If you put a house on it, you can rent it for a hell of a lot more than you could when it was just an empty parcel with nothing around. I guess I'm just thinking like, like so if my place costs $200,000 mm. in Colorado, 1% property tax mm -hmm. every month on your mortgage. Mm -hmm. So 200 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. uh, if if the value goes up to $400,000, $400, don't I have to like, get the place reappraised or something? So, like, people know that I, they start charging more on taxes, or just, just the, the county assessor's office determine? Depending on where you live, they do it automatically. I know in Lakewood, every two years, they reassess all the property values. But if you want to benefit from your house being worth more, you actually have to pay for an appraiser. Probably. But, appara but apparently the county's doing that for free every two years anyway? I mean, in California, no. As long as you don't sell the place, it stays at the... <laughs> well, we've seen how bad it gets there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um you know, as much as it is annoying that people in 1965 were able to buy a house in California for the price of a McChicken, <laughs> and like now it's worth six million dollars, that's annoying as shit. But if they had to pay a six million dollar property tax in a place that they bought for sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, like they would just be, they wouldn't be able to afford it. They'd be, they, they'd be living there, minding their own business, and suddenly someone comes to their house and says, "Get out." That's literally the point. 
So j- just to be clear, George's land tax are intended to be the most fair, mm-hmm. produce the least amount of bad effects possible. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to explain to me why someone coming to your house with a gun and saying, get out, you can't afford to live here anymore, <laughs> is less theft than someone saying, can I please have some of the money you earned this, this year, please? <laughs> Although they don't it, say it, please. Do they, they say please a lot? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure the taxmen always come with guns. They don't say please. You're right. <laughs> okay. Uh, the difference is you did nothing to increase the value of your land. It was everybody else around that increased the value of the land. Uh, and you are just reaping the benefits of that. And in fact, it actually discourages doing work to increase the value of your land because everybody around you is going to reap a significant percentage of the labor you did. And uh, if you don't do any work, your land value still goes up and they don't get the the benefit of your labor. So you're kind of incentivized to do nothing and to, you know, sponge off other people. And the thing is, we kind of want land to be put to the best use possible all right, so Stephen, you recently bought a two-bedroom place for nearly a half million dollars, right? Three. Well, yes, two in a two in a study. Yeah, two in a study. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is an insane amount of money. It's offensive. But it's also completely standard here in the Denver metro area nowadays. If you were to try to buy that in the Denver city area, it'd be significantly more. I'm hearing from people that know people from California that say, "Holy shit, it's bad here." Yeah. From like San Diego, they're like, "This is terrible real estate." So. Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing. We have a U-store near downtown Denver. A what? A U-store, a flat piece of property with a bunch of warehouses, super cheap warehouses that cost almost nothing to maintain and people just put their shit in it. The people who own the U-store pay almost nothing in property taxes because they're a bunch of cheap fucking warehouses. So (laughs) they don't have a lot of value. Uh, That land is absolutely being wasted down there. And if the land was properly taxed at the same value as everything around it, the U-Store people probably could not pay the taxes. The taxes would be so high, it would be more than they make in a year, and they would be forced to sell the land, and someone who could use it for something better, like a fucking large apartment complex that could house a lot of people, or maybe an office building, or something more valuable could be done with the land than cheap fucking warehouses that people store their extra shit in. (laughs) Fun fact, when I was house hunting... There, I, the place I have is like a template, mm-hmm. and there's another one 10 miles west of where, like another pl- development where they're building these 10 miles west, closer to the mountains. Mm-hmm. $100,000 more. More? Like, that was the baseline price. Yeah. And I, I double-checked when I was, like, looking at this one. I was like, this is the same, but yeah. the number here, is that, is that just because of where it's at? She's like, yep. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's closer to, I think it's Littleton rather than Aurora. Okay. And, uh... Yeah, it's it, not the material, it's not the labor, it's just the location. And I'm like, for that price, though, I could buy two Teslas and have them charged at either side of those 10 miles, have them just drive me to and from. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So Living in a Tesla. That's I don't option. think there's enough room. Not until they're bringing out the Tesla van. Yeah, not unless you can take out the back seats. But in any case, uh, I just want to bring up the fact that, yeah, the location played a big role of why we're living where we are. Because yeah. one thing about my job is I don't care where I live. Right. Um, so it, it's kind of immaterial to me if I'm in you know, whatever part of the, the area, as long as I'm within rough proximity to where I go once or twice a month, yeah. right? And the people that own that land and are building that housing unit on it that are getting an extra $100,000 for it, they didn't do anything to get that extra $100,000. That's entirely based on the labor of everyone that lives around them that they, has made that land more valuable. Presumably they bought that land at a higher price, though. Whoever sold it to them at that point didn't do anything to get that extra $100,000. It was everyone around them. And so it seems rather unfair for them just because they held the land to get an extra $100,000 out of it. Because 
really the labor of holding the land is people with guns from the government telling other people this is not your land it's his land uh so again we were paying for the enforcement of that property right and then everybody around him helped make that property more valuable and then for some reason he gets to capture all that value when since it's the property right enforcement is paid for by the government and since it's the community around him that made it more valuable honestly that money should be recaptured by the community through some sort of maybe tax okay so i was going to ask about what made this different than other sorts of wealth aggregation or rather wealth increase uh but you're saying specifically because it's a government protected um wealth vehicle i don't know what to say right right right. Um, if it wasn't for the government enforcing property rights then someone else would have just taken that land from him or they would have had to defend it with you know yeah with their own guns their own security yeah Yeah. but so another solution to this problem might just be saying government's not going to protect your land your property anymore i mean yeah if you want to live in anarchy and i know a lot of people do but (laughs) i'm just trying to equate this like with bitcoin is another similar thing right Mm -hmm. someone smart bought it at a nickel mm-hmm. and now it's worth sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars they didn't do fuck all to increase the price other than buy more bitcoin right and luck out that someone bought bitcoin instead of dogecoin or something right uh-huh. and so it granted they'll, they'll pay a capital gains tax on it but they're not going to be charged thirty thousand dollars per bitcoin on in taxes right right so almost all of that's going to go straight to their pocket okay but i think it's the difference here is that that george wouldn't argue that we should charge bitcoin millionaires this crazy tax because they defended their own bitcoins George actually makes a really big distinction between capital and land. Yes, um, which we will get into when we get into the details. Okay, so yeah, I'll put a pin in that, I guess. Okay, so different different categories of stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I guess the difference, well, there's a fixed amount of Bitcoin, but land is like a real thing that there's only so much of. Yes. Is that the thing? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's one of the other advantages is that you can't disincentivize the creation of new land because there's a <laughs> fixed supply of it. You know, you can disincentivize labor, you can disincentivize interest, but the land is there, and people aren't making more or destroying. Which is not completely 100% true, but as close to true as as is reasonable to bother with. It's true enough, yeah. You can make some land more habitable. You know, you can build a rapture-style city in the ocean if you felt like it. <laughs> right. But, um... And importantly, if um, someone were to, like, if your land developer were to build a house on this uh, land, the house would not be taxed uh, taxed at all uh, because that was labor he created uh, that was wealth that he created there would only be taxes on the increase in value of the land based on the community and the government protecting property rights hmm. so yeah the main benefits is that it makes land be used in its most socially valuable way rather than being wasted on things and it really disincentivizes landlords uh, like me for example uh, from just buying um, something and waiting for the proper for the value to go up and profiting from that value without adding anything um because that happens all the time now and uh if they couldn't do that anymore they would have to earn their wages like everyone else by doing maintenance work or providing management services or something (laughs) which i personally pride myself on the fact that i am quick and good with the maintenance and with the management services but also i only own four properties i don't work that much on them and yeah I i realize that the reason i can I was able to retire is because Denver fucking blew up in real estate and the rents increased a lot. And uh, if I was working just off the labor of what I put into these places, it it wouldn't be enough. It'd be next to nothing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know how much like skilled labor you do. Like you don't do like electrician work. You call in electricians. Yeah. Yeah. So like electricians get paid a lot of money, but like someone to whatever 
replace a refrigerator. Like mm-hmm. you pay the you pay for the refrigerator, but that does that's not labor. Yeah, that's yeah. just that's just money that you have to eat. But the Man- managerial services to buy it and get it in and out. But sure. Yeah, but, but you're also you're also not the one moving the refrigerator. Yeah. So yeah. like you might be there. I don't know. Fix a broken pipe in the, under the sink or something. Yeah. Which, frankly, I don't know. I guess. If I could fix it, it's not that hard to do. Therefore, it's not that expensive to fix, right? Right. Um, I'm, I bet your skill's a little more than mine, but yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, what you're advocating here, or at least what you're describing here, is a situation where you couldn't just buy land and hodl for you know prices to go to the moon. You have to earn. Yeah. You have, you have to work to earn on it. Like everybody else in society. Okay. You can't just wait for your neighbors to do stuff to increase the land value. So there wouldn't there wouldn't really be landlords anymore. No, there still would be, but they wouldn't make money off of the land appreciating in value because one hundred percent of the money of the value that gets increased gets taken. So the only way you earn money is by doing things like you know repairs, maintenance, management services. So with you know if your sink clogs up or if something bad happens in your house, it's kind of nice just to be able to call someone say, "Hey, my shit's broke. Come fix." That's the, uh, that's the perk of renting. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's not, it's not your shit. Right, right. Yeah. So that that that's even if all I'm doing is like managing. Okay, I I know this plumber. I call for him to come out here, and then I pay him. You know, it's it's still a service, right? It's shit you didn't have to do in your time. True, but that takes like ten minutes for you, right? Call the plumber and have them go out there. Maybe, maybe I mean, yeah, maybe I know a guy, and yeah, yeah. It, it's it's not a huge amount of work. But you have to pay for the plumber too. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying so is like. The, the landlording itself. Right now, I guess when I think of landlord, I sit back, do nothing except for sign my checks, right? There are some so, people like that. They're t- commonly called slumlords. Well, I, I guess I'm not saying that you do no work. I'm saying that you do politely next to no work. You certainly are working 40 hours a week on maintaining your property. Absolutely. And so I'm not, I'm not diminishing the amount of work you do do because you also put in, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears fixing all these places, making them livable. Yeah. And so, like... I'm not, I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying, like, the maintenance cost on them. When I picture a landlord, it's like, you know, it's, it's not that you run a slum. It's that your place works because you didn't put it together like shit in the first place. And so it needs the basic maintenance of every house. Yeah. And so most of the time that most of the time you're not doing anything for it. And so... I have one place that I've owned for 10 years now. And I know as soon as this guy moves out, I'm going to have to go in and re- refurbish the whole thing. It's going to need new carpet, new paint, because it's, it's starting to get there. But I guess I'm just thinking, like... But the, on a general, yeah, week-to-week basis yeah the, the landlord though i guess i'm saying is that they they get checks from people who live there and they cash those and they they have to put in let's say 10 percent back into maintaining it right mm-hmm. um that would all go away if they had to like actually they wouldn't be landlording they'd be uh contract workers in their own properties yeah okay so that's what i meant when i said landlord would go away okay they, they would have then, to like sure, they, yeah, they, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't make money from landlording they'd make money from doing work on the places yeah just like people would be if they didn't own the place right the fact that they own it is incidental um you get i would imagine a higher premium for taking the risk of owning a place and for vetting um the renters and for saving up the money to put down in the first place so there's there's still the returns to capital oh and you can still sell it at the end of the day and okay at the end of the day yeah all right okay but yeah like the when we bought when charlie bought this place that we're in right now uh, it was, you know, also close to a half million dollars and we had to put in, I don't know, $20,000 of materials and five months of labor to get it livable. And I can guarantee you the person who bought this place 20 years ago did not pay $400,000 for it. Nor did they put in any work into, you know, they, they moved their stuff in. That was like it. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Like the place deteriorated and it should have been cost less than what it was when they moved in because they ran it down a bit. 
but instead it got greatly increased in value and that's not because the place was better than when they moved in it's because the area around it is more attractive now and uh georgia's land value taxes would prevent that sort of thing from happening so can you lay out for me kind of like in, a, in like a specific way how would this example have worked say if the person who bought this place 20 years ago bought it for hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars you come in and buy it for four hundred thousand dollars 20 years later mm-hmm. how much money does that guy make hundred thousand dollars which guy? The guy you owned it that you bought it from. I mean, if they paid it off entirely, they'd get the whole $400,000. They just have to pay off whatever's left on the loan and they keep the rest. Oh, but they would be paying some fortune in taxes, though. Oh, 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 you mean with Georgia's land value taxes? Right, 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 yeah. Ah, well, let's get into the nitty-gritty then. Okay, yeah. Because there, there, there's a lot of details to this, which we Very want good. to get into. Jason, I don't, I don't, anything? I don't want to jump you ahead. I just no, I wanted wanna... to make sure I understood what was going on. Yeah, that's, and that's good. Um, It is kind of confusing. This Probably we'll clear some of it up, though. All right. Yeah, now I want to get to Henry George. Let's learn. All righty. So Henry George has a number of definitions that he uses for things, which we should clarify at the outset here. Uh, and this all comes from the post uh, about George's taxes. The book review actually said that he beats words to death to make sure that there is no confusion about what he means, which I just enjoyed. Yeah. I can appreciate. We are not going to beat the words quite that hard because uh, we have a time limit. <laughs> And it's not our, you know, thesis that we have to defend. Exactly. If you don't like this, take a go take it up with Henry George. We're just the messengers here. But also, I'm a very enthusiastic messenger. Uh, first, he says, labor is the exertion of human beings. Mm-hmm. So I don't do labor for a living, then. You do. You exert yourself. Do I? <laughs> I mean, you don't physically sweat, but you do things with your mind. It's taking up your time, and it's a skill. Okay. So it's it's stuff people do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's anything that you, you have to exert yourself to do like not necessarily physically even mentally counts like it's it's work fair enough okay all right okay cool uh next is wealth is the product of labor what you create with your labor is wealth so in your particular case would be apis of some kind yeah software software yeah the software that is the end result uh, of your labor is wealth so wealth isn't money it isn't specifically money is not wealth money is a claim on wealth it says, I created this software, and the software is owned by my employer, and my employer has given me some claims to that wealth in the form of money, which I can exchange for wealth that other people have created. So, but it is, it is possible under this definition then to have wealth that is worthless. Like, you could no, work wealth you, is never worthless. But you could work really hard building a table that no one wants to buy. Uh, well, it's still worth something. You have a table. Okay. Labor was not very productive if you made a $5 table out of 50 hours of labor, yeah. but you got something. They used the example of, like, punching a brick wall. Like, you, you can exert labor and not produce wealth, but, like... Yeah, he, he did say you can just waste effort, yeah. and then that's not labor. Like, if you're just breaking down a brick wall, then that's, yeah, that's that's <laughs> not like Unless someone wants the brick wall not to be there, but <laughs> if all you're doing is, like, smashing stuff or playing sports, right? Like, you, you're exerting um, yourself there, and you're having fun, but... Actually, I hear you can make a lot of money from <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> But then you're creating you're, entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to think of next is, yeah, I mean, you're, you're the thing you're doing isn't what's actually making money. Like, no one's paying you to throw the ball. They're paying you to watch you throw the ball. Yes. Yeah. You know? So, okay. yeah, you, you can absolutely, like, if I were to pick up this TV and smash it on the floor, that is some amount of work, but it's not labor because I'm destroying wealth rather than creating it. But if I gave you $10 to do it, then we're talking wealth. The TV's worth more than $10. No matter how much money you paid me to do it, actually, there would be no creation of wealth. You'd be exchanging money... You'd be giving me a claim on other wealth, but this wealth would be being destroyed. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Thanks for bearing with me on this. Sure. I figured if he was going to beat the definition to death, I should at least should do you it. know try. Capital. Capital is wealth devoted to procuring more wealth. 
Uh, something like a plow had to be made by someone first. It was labor that was put on steel and wood and whatever that gave you a plow at the end, so that is wealth. But since the plow is specifically there to create more wealth, it is also capital. Okay. So right. another example, cars, I guess. Uh, basically every machine. Uh, I mean, it depends what the car is being used for. But I mean, if it is a car being used for your business, then absolutely that's capital. Oh, you're right. Going to work isn't producing wealth. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's a literally a vehicle to produce wealth. But uh, it's not okay. It's not wealth in and of it's itself. It's like your clothes aren't capital because you would be buying your clothes anyway, whether or not you went to work. Uh, but if they were like safety equipment that you needed for your job, like Jace, you specifically wear safety equipment at your job, right? Yeah, although um, they do provide it to us, which is nice. Cool, cool. But uh, yeah. So that is both wealth and capital. It is d- dedicated to producing more, uh, more yeah, wealth. I think it's pretty much just capital. I mean, I don't get to take the PPE home and use it for myself so <laughs> specifically all cal- all capital is wealth because wealth is something that was created by human labor oh yeah your employers had to buy that thing yeah somebody to had you. to make the ppe yeah. so it is wealth but since that ppe is being used to create other things yeah it is also capital i guess i was specifying that it's not my wealth okay yeah yeah, yeah. that makes sense okay all wealth, right capital and labor labor got it got it got it so land is a special thing Land is not wealth, because it was not created by labor. I don't know. Did you read the Bible? (laughs) (laughs) We, For this particular case, we can ignore God's labor. Well, and he didn't work very hard for it, so... Yeah, I know. He just just said, let there be. Maybe it's really hard for him to talk, though. That's probably why he hasn't said anything in so long. Yeah, it's it's sore throat. Yeah. And as such, land is also not capital, because capital is just wealth that's being used to create more wealth. So, land is everything that was not produced by labor, uh, which is important distinction because lots of times when people say land, they think, you know, just the stuff underneath your feet, the dirt, the earth. But he's saying specifically land is everything that was not produced by labor. It includes things like rocks, includes things like fruits that are on a tree. Natural resources. Natural resources, the oil underneath uh, the ground. Yeah, everything that was not produced by labor is land. Uh, once you pick up a rock and you nap it into a knife, then it's wealth because you put labor into it and you made it to something more useful. Uh, if you ha- see a peach growing on a tree, that is land. Once you harvest it, now it is wealth because you have put in some labor to make it into something you can use. Okay. And, you know, just to be pedantic on it, the rock, you don't have to actually turn it into a knife to make it uh, wealth. All you have to do is use it for something. If you want to use it to smash something, it it's becomes true. a tool. Or yeah, even yeah. just picking it up off the ground. Like I think if you have some use for it, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think the uh, book reviewer said was if you pick up a cool rock, the labor that went into doing that makes it wealth. <laughs> cool. Yeah, this is now my cool rock, and maybe the labor you have to do to defend your cool rock from other people that want your cool rock. You've got a bunch of cool rocks over on the shelf there that I was looking at. Yeah, we carried them all the way from I don't know the far reaches of the U.S. and brought them here. Fun. Yeah. So under this definition, the moon isn't made of land. The moon is land. Not until someone does something with it. Oh, no, wait, no, no. Wait, you're right. The moon it's... is merely land. Right. Because oh, it's a natural resource. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. I like it. I, I like the expansive de- definition of it. Basically, anything that just exists without you doing anything. Land is exactly. land. The ocean is land. The sun is land. Yep, yep. <laughs> he, he specifically, it was cool, they got pointed out in the uh, book review. I didn't pull this out, but he uh, said that if someone were to find some way to harness the uh, sun's rays falling on land, then even those would count as land. 
And now we can do that with solar Predicting panels. Predicting solar so, power in the yeah, 1800s. Yeah. Nice. Land comes before everything humans do or make and is itself a thing no human can make. There is, importantly, there is no occupation in which labor and capital can engage which does not require the use of land. Either, uh, this is either as a raw material to be worked on or simply as a place to do the work. Since we, unfortunately, are physical beings that take up space, <laughs> we need some <laughs> land to do our work on. You, you personally have a desk with a computer on it that takes up some space. I was going to use my job as an example of something that doesn't need land. But if he's going to say, you have to physically exist to do it, then sure. Yeah. I have to physically exist to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> Your job also takes electricity. Which is... To run the computer. Is land under this definition because it's just stuff that people mm, are paying to use? I think, was, I think it was created in a, in a uh, power plant. It's a very You're weird right. sort of intangible kind of land. the internet land... Oh, <laughs> definitely. Oh, man. I was going to say definitely not, but people pay to keep the internet alive. But yeah, yeah. That, this doesn't seem actually to exclude that. Because, like, the, on board an airplane would also be land, even though that was made by people and maintained by money. The internet isn't a thing that just exists. It, it, it is data on servers somewhere. And the servers were created by people. And the internet is made of software. No, the internet is definitely wealth. But yeah. my, my desk doesn't just exist. Right. Your desk is wealth. Oh, right. So... The space Let's... you take up is counts as land. Okay. You have enough. to work somewhere. I have to work somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Until like until the age of M. Right. Which then we'll have to actually decide whether or not like if say we implement the Georgist land taxes and then we hit the age of M. Yeah. We have to then at that point we have to decide if the internet is, is land or not. <laughs> Maybe. Just like the 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 server that you run on specifically that server takes up a specific amount of space right 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 yeah. it, it, and if a there's 100,000 people running on that space you divide that by 100,000 all right what's the taxes on, so nerds, on a nice, cubic meter I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean there might be insane amount of taxes on a cubic meter if there's a huge amount of wealth being generated from that cubic meter makes it like not even worth being an m then if you have to pay all these taxes on it i, I feel guess like it wasn't worth taxes? being an m anyway cuz if you're well yeah that's that's the that's Hansonian, age of m sounded pretty dystopian it does but but the... importantly we don't tax the wealth we tax the land how do you tax the land? oh wait we'll get to there okay yeah all right okay. thanks for indulging me i feel like i'm not the only one with these questions yeah and, no, I, no. and I pre-committed asking all the dumb questions when we're doing this i'm very so. glad you are because right. these are all the questions that are going to be asked so henry george says if you treat land the same way you would wealth even though they are two very extremely different things then before you know it, you get poverty paradoxically advancing alongside progress, literal genocides and holocausts, and the rent being too damn high. So that is that is the issue, and now he's going to tell us why that's the issue. And that seems to be what we observe. We see people with $500 billion on people who can't afford to eat. Yeah. In, they could be in the same city. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, when society produces wealth... Who gets different shares of it and why is the question. Because as a society, it's extremely rare for any one person to create wealth all by themselves. Uh, so he says, the reward you get from production, because all wealth is created by production. The reward you get from production by owning land is called rent. The reward you get from production by supplying labor is called wages. And the reward you get from production by supplying capital is called interest. All that makes sense? These are just definitions we are using for the the sake of the argument here the reward you get from production by owning land is called rent right what you get just because you own the land that the labor was done on or to just from owning it that is called rent what are that's your... that's close to what we call rent now close okay yeah what are some examples of 
I mean, I, yeah, supplying capital to get interest. Obviously, there's, you know, putting it at a bank. Well, in my personal um, example, the fact that I have saved up the money to buy a place and renovate it and put it out there, that place is my capital. And even if I don't do more work as I'm renting it out, I would get some small percentage of that uh, because I've made that capital available for other people to live in. Uh, another you know, common one is when you make a factory, even if you aren't working at the factory, the fact that you spent the, the time and energy and money to make the factory, yeah. you get some return on that. Investing in anything, I guess. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. So rent, in short, is the share of uh, the wealth that is produced, which is due to the exclusive right of using the natural capabilities uh, of that area. Land has zero cost of production because it's already there and you can't make it. That means that any payment or benefit you realize is by excluding others from using the land or its fruits. Does that make sense? So you specifically cannot create land. It is already there. Uh, so there is no way you could get uh, interest from capital because you didn't have to make anything and then put it out there to risk. There's no wages because you can't make land. It's just there. The only way you get anything from land is from the ability to exclude others from using it. Or it's fruits, like you put in parentheses. Or it's fruits, yeah. Um, I'm picturing like my my desk being land, but it's not. My desk is uh, the space wealth, that your desk. But the, the space is. Yeah. So I'm gonna go and just picture a field. You know, like they sell acreage between here and Fort Collins. I think mm -hmm. this is a lot more intuitive if you think of farm. Yeah, I'm gonna just picture an acre of land out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing on it. Mm -hmm. So that that's just land. You're right. There's nothing. It doesn't do anything. It's mm -hmm. just sitting there being grass. Um, <laughs> Even if it's sitting on top of a mountain of oil or a, a reservoir of oil, um, it's not. It's still not doing anything until people go out there and do stuff to it. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. So for our example, we have three lots. And in the post, there is an awesome picture of three uh, wheat hexes from Settlers of Catan. Uh, lot A, the first hex, is a good fertile field. If you work it, you can get a hundred utils worth of food and wealth out of this thing. Lot B is another good hex. Just as good. Also, if you work it, you can get 100 utils worth of food and wealth out of this thing. Lot C is just Utah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like... Wyoming. What, no, even worse. What's a... Chernobyl. Nebraska? Okay, Chernobyl. North Dakota. Well, not even the best Dakota. Actually, it's like... <laughs> it's interesting to think of something like Chernobyl where there is land, but it's like actively bad for you it destroys this seems or whatever yeah uh, the argument here does seem to be that like land is inherently not valuable mm -hmm. but inherently worth i think that is part it's, of the yes. definition yeah. it was a yeah. uh, human desire it's like it exists uh you didn't have to do anything to make it and people want it or something from it but no one wants chernobyl in fact people want to stay people away from anti-want yeah. chernobyl yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's see let's not go quite to chernobyl let's see is is some kind of terrible horrible land uh, it's Nebraska. You, yeah. You can work it just as hard as you worked lot A or B, but you only get about 10 noodles worth of food and wealth out of it. Uh, are we we clear with these three lots? Lot A, yeah. lot B, and lot C? Yep. Okay. Let's say that uh, I own lot A. I won't be able to charge you any rent to work lot A because lot B is owned by nobody. Anyone can go to lot B, use it, work it, and uh, get 100 noodles worth of stuff. So why would you pay me even one noodle worth of rent to use it when you can just go to B and work it for 100 noodles and keep all of that. So we are just talking two adjacent acres with nothing on them. Yes. Why would anyone pay anybody to do anything on a field with nothing on it? I mean, 
to go like plant crops or something. If nobody owns lot B, you can go there. You can do whatever you want on it. You can maybe harvest a hundred beetles worth of food, right? Okay. If I own lot A, you can't step on lot A unless I let you. Gotcha. And the question is, why would anybody pay me money to step on lot A if they can just go to lot B right there? No one would. They go to lot B. Exactly. Yeah. But let's say that I also buy lot B. Now, if you want to access this 100 yuta land, you have to pay me. How much can I charge you? Well, your other option is to go work lot C. And you can get 10 yuta's worth of wealth out of lot C. So the most I could possibly charge you to work either lot A or B is 90 yuta's. Because uh, then you would work it, you would get 100 yuta's worth of stuff, you would give me 90, you would keep 10. That's about the same as working lot C. Now, in theory, I don't know, maybe I could only charge you 89, and uh, you'd get the one extra util, and that's why you want to rent from me. But importantly, maybe, like, there's two people that want to work Lot C, and uh, they can't both work Lot C, so one of them works it for 10 utils, and the other guy's like, well, I would like to have at least 10 utils worth of food so I don't starve, so I will pay you 90 utils to work Lot B so I can get my 10 utils, and you get the other 90 utils. I like that, like I said, the maybe 89s out of 90s, because people aren't homo economicuses. Yeah. Where, like, there is a level of spite, where it's like, no, fuck you, I'm going to walk, yeah, I'm gonna walk 30 too. miles through the snow to go pay the other guy who's not as much of a shitbag as you. Yeah. So, like, just because it's more work does not mean people won't do it out of spite. Right. But, <laughs> they, but yeah, point taken. Uh, you certainly can't, you can't charge me more than I could get out of the place next door for free. Mm-hmm. We should probably also point out that utils are short for utilons, which is a economics word i guess for mm. sort of just a generic uh, you know amount of utility yeah good stuff that people want an imaginary yeah one unit of utility yeah for thought experiments one money please so that brings us to henry george's law of rent rent is determined by the margin of production the difference the difference between how much you can produce from a particular piece of land compared to the least productive alternative because the most you could charge for rent for one of these lots is 90 because people's next next least productive alternative is the one that gives 10. So that's like saying, you know, because no one, no one asks to pay to use your empty field. They ask to use your empty apartment building to sure. live in, right? Well, I mean, maybe they use your ask to use your empty field if they want to, you know, yeah, say there's a farm and farmer. then sell yeah. the profits. Well, I guess what I'm thinking, like, just me as a muggle, I'm not going to farm. Okay, okay. Right, so, I, and I guess... Okay, let's say it's office buildings and, like, it's, like, workspace. Well, that, that works, too. I guess I'm, I'm running at the, the apartment thing because, like, the, the apartment people can charge me an arm and a leg mm-hmm. because I definitely want a place to live. But they can't actually charge me $50,000 a month. Right. Because, A, I don't have that. And, B, I can go be homeless for free, right? <laughs> right. So, at some point, that actually does tip, like, what I'm getting out of using your land, you know, place to live and keep my stuff, mm-hmm. is not worth it. Right. Right. That is the law of rent. The okay, yeah. margin of product is the most you could charge for the rent. That, that's what I was going for is like, you know, because no, one, no one's competing for uses of empty fields, but they are competing against like, so because it's talking about util, utils and not money. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to take a, a, like the life hit I would take by going $40,000 into debt to you every month to live here is more than I would, more life negative impact than I would get from being homeless. Fuck it, I'll go be homeless. Right. Okay. Yeah. But also, plenty of people do want empty lands because then they can get tractors and other machinery and make a lot of money off them. Yeah, no, or, empty, yeah, I mean, yeah, for for, for doing stuff them. onto. But I'm just I'm or, thinking yeah, of or make a shopping mall. Yeah, specifically, specifically, I guess when I think of rent, um, I don't think people rent out lots of land for people to build apartments or you know malls or whatever on. Right, people mm-hmm. buy that land. 
mm. and then build malls on it. Uh, I guess. I See, I, lend, the, the problem is rent, you're using the term differently than he uses it. Rent is the returns just from owning the land and excluding other people from using it. It, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm like renting a car for the weekend or something. Good point. I am using it wrong. In my defense, he's I'm using it the usual way. But right. that's why he spent so much time defining his terms. Yes. But I'm able to kind of find a way where I can use both of them in a way that makes sense, like with my absurdly overpriced apartment example. Yeah. Okay. So George argues that landowners oppress both labor and capital, cheating both of them of hard work and investment uh, out of their fair share. Because what happens when the productivity of land goes up? Uh, we're going back to lot A and B here. They're both 100 utils. Uh, but let's say that they belong to different landlords. And Stephen, you're working lot B right now. And you do good stuff. You take care of your land. You actually improve the soil of the field that you're working on. So now it's worth 110 utils. Every year you can produce 110 utils worth of wealth and goodness from this soil. So what happens? <laughs> I've, I've already read ahead. So I've spoiled, <laughs> I've buried, I've spoiled uh, myself here. But, you know... I'm trying to think of a real-world example of this, but the answer is you raise the rent. Yeah. It's not like, oh, good job, Stephen. Thanks. You get to keep the additional stuff that you made. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, uh, it's my stuff. I'm going to just, you know, charge you more then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is exactly like rent going up, you know, in your apartment. And that's exactly the problem with UBI, that suddenly everybody in the world has $1,000 more a month. Well, over the course of a few years, the rent is going to increase on everybody by about $1,000 a month. This is what I was getting to. I should have just said UBI is the same problem as, like, legalizing selling your organs. Okay. Because everyone who's desperate enough to do that will all sell it. And then, let's say you've got $50,000 worth of organs, mm -hmm. then of, of, of sellable organs, yeah. then uh, everyone who wants that much money can just get it, right. and then everything's just that much more expensive. I think it's kind of a UBI problem, because everyone also has organs if they wanted to sell them, even if you're, you know, Kim Kardashian, right? It's plausible. I think that is a thing to talk about for another time, though, or else we're going to run up into time limits. On yeah, yeah, totally. It starts to go into we now just, we're talking we, we about were talk UBI territory. We were just talking about organ stuff before the recording, and I should have just said, yeah, the UBI problem is what I imagine could be a down, the, the pitfall of it, but we'll save that for another day. Okay. So, yeah, the, the landlord raises the rent because you don't really have any other option. What are you What are you going to do? Go to lot C, where you can only make 10 utils of stuff, or go to lot A, where, again, you can only make 10 utils of stuff, or you can stay at lot B, where, again, you only make 10 utils of stuff. Because all the rest is captured, or you just can't make that much. And there's no way to lie to you that say I, to say I haven't increased the value of the land. I mean, maybe there is, but you find out over time. That's yeah. why it doesn't happen like instantly. I mean, good luck convincing your landlord at your apartment that it's not actually worth what they're charging, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, Henry George says, obviously, the only way wages, which is the return to labor, or interest, the return to capital, can ever go up as human productivity increases is if land values land values fail to rise at the same rate as the productivity going up. Otherwise, it'll always eventually be captured as rents by landowners. So, Hence inequality. Hence inequality. Let's take a quick aside here to discuss about things that actually increase productivity and contribute to material progress in humanity. Uh, the Post brings up three specific things, the first two which were covered by Henry, and I think the third one which was added by the Post uh, writer, the review writer. Number one, increasing population, uh, because the labor of 100 men will produce much more than 100 times as much as the labor of one man. Uh, so, you know, one man times 100 is jack shit compared to 100 men working in tandem. Uh, this is due to specialization and division of labor. And just more man hours I mean, of work being done. Yeah, but like, 
if that if you can multiply one man by 100 then that's 100 times as much but if you just have 100 men working at once and by men i guess we should say humans <laughs> as opposed to he was still working in the 1800s but people still call it man hours today and I I, i've had female scrum masters they're like no i like man hours it's fine yeah, it's but easier to say and i, I think you, it's a funny you way you think of man as human but yeah, yeah. i mean i i, I say mankind, yeah, work hours is usually what i say I but yeah uh, in any case yeah, work hours go up linearly with the population of people working. Yes. Right? Yeah. But productivity so, goes up exactly more than linearly because you can specialize uh, and divide labor in ways that make it yeah. get more done. Instead of having one dude build a car, you make an assembly line. Exactly. Yeah. Which increases the rates of production greatly. So does technological advancement. Yes. Uh, well, let, let's keep with uh, increasing population <laughs> first. Okay. Uh, he says, A bustling place is a more valuable and productive place to live than a tiny hut in the middle of a remote forest. In the middle of the forest, you have to do everything yourself, regardless of how abundant the natural resources might be. Every neighbor that moves into town makes you richer in this sense because they contribute to the total productive potential of your community. Uh, I guess we already discovered discussed that too, didn't we? Yeah, but it's it's a good point to it's worth just repeating. beat home, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that makes sense. And also importantly, population increases also drive, drive productivity by making things valuable that were useless before. Because let's say you have some iron ore on your land. Uh, even if you have the technology to mine and smelt it, you probably can't do all that stuff yourself. Uh, and if you have a bunch of other people, then you can do the division of labor and specialization and all that. And uh, you can just actually make use of the stuff that you couldn't otherwise yeah and there's people to sell it to as well like even if you can drag the iron out of the ground uh what are you gonna do with it build an airplane yeah by yourself yeah. <laughs> so yeah. th this this just brings home the benefit of not having to spend 18 hours a day tracking down lunch and dinner yes like if, if someone else can do that because presumably they can catch you know if you catch a an elk they can't eat the whole thing mm -hmm. before it spoils they bring it home and then someone else can be doing something else during the day exactly yeah yeah and so this once again hammers home the point that the principal cause of land value increase is the productivity of your neighbors. So if land value is increasing, it's because your neighbors are productive and you are sponging off their work to at least a decent extent. Number two, technological advances. Tech saves labor. More importantly, well, maybe not more importantly, as importantly, wanting to make more things means more demand for land because you can't labor without land. You need it as inputs or you need it to work on. Uh, and when you reach the productive limit of the land that is available to you, you seek out more marginal lands. Um, so it, it, once you've gotten to the maximum amount of work you can do with a piece of land, if you still have the technology to do more work, you'll go to the next land over and you're like, well, this land isn't as good and we can't make as much, but we still have the ability to use it. So we'll still use this land to make more stuff, even if it's not as productive per unit of labor, right? Yeah. Which is something that you wouldn't do before when you weren't maxing out the first piece of land that you had. I just, I guess this is part of like using the land, but one innovation to solving this is that you don't have to just use the land itself. You can build up. Yeah. And so like I can get a lot more done in a 30 story high rise than I could in a one story building. Yes. Even though like we're, we're getting literally 30 amount, 30 times the amount of work done on the same plot of land. Yeah. So, but that's still using the land too. It's like, but, it, but it's potential. potential. But it, it's, I, I guess that's probably just an example of technology mm -hmm. that, that would fall into this. Yeah, I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. That Sky increases the value of the land because now technology. suddenly you can use thirty times as much on it. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge tower made of glass mm -hmm. that totally defies the laws of physics. Well, not really, but looks like it. Yeah. All right. So, since you're seeking out more marginal lands to use all this labor on, uh, the demand for land goes up, which means land values go up. 
which means again the rent is too damn high i thought you were gonna yell it oh (laughs) probably should have uh yeah which means that as you introduce more advanced machinery the extra productivity they bring gets soaked up into rising land values which gets extorted as rent once again even even the capitalists lose out to landowners because they do not get the returns on their capital it goes into rent if we had uh planned ahead for this episode we would have um brought booze and taken a shot every time that we had to say the, the rent is too damn high oh i would have put so much more rent is too damn highs in here <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a fun georgist party <laughs> finally um, the third thing improvements in the social fabric uh, hang on a sec yes would you say that education is you could also roll that in with a uh, technology i feel yeah, like I that's something so. that okay because you, you're getting more maximal you're getting more utility out of every square inch of land if people on it are working smarter not harder is that it yeah, yeah, like education and training to do a specific task is still an investment. I mean, like, education's always been called human capital, right? Yeah. And you would like to think that improving your human capital will improve your um, productivity. Well, it does improve your productivity and it improves how much money you make, but a lot of that is captured in additional rent, which is why, you know, Stephen, with his programming education, uh, is making a lot more, but now a lot of that extra is being captured by the, uh, the rents due to having to pay... Half a million dollars for a house. I wouldn't say education, I'd say job, but either way. <laughs> I mean, you're learning things. You have more skills. <laughs> learning. Yeah, sure. Skill or training. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, I explicitly didn't go to school for this, so. I, yeah. You, you, yeah, education well, I, is I, learning I went, I went to boot camp. Yeah. That's, there yeah, we okay. go. All right. Yeah. I just like to. We, we got we to divorce education from schooling, because they're very different things. Good point. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, improvements in social fabric. Improvements to the social fabric that just make society generically better do the same thing. If people in the neighborhood are nicer and more helpful, provide a robust network of mutual aid, start a bowling league and a book club, etc., land value rises. That's because it's more desirable and productive to live in a place where you can, for example, trust your neighbor to watch your kid for an hour, while also teaching them to whittle. <laughs> land value goes where up. Where is that? <laughs> yeah. Land value goes up, and so does the rent. And again, this is because of the productivity of your, la- your neighbors. Whittling's easy. Don't put your fingers in front of the knife and always whittle away from you. Huh. Okay. Yeah. See, there. you, you have I now saved. improved the lives of everybody that listens to this podcast. I used to whittle. Yeah. yeah. You got bored enough and then had a sharp, had a sharp metal stick and a not sharp wooden stick. <laughs> and you wanted to make a sharp wooden stick. Cool. You only hit yourself with a knife once. And you're like, oh, okay, that's stupid. Let's, let's do it the other way. No. All right. So hopefully by now we have convinced you guys that most of the value of land comes from not what the landowners are doing and from what everybody else is doing in society. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had thought about whether I believed that an hour ago. Hmm. Um, but that seems seems like it makes sense. All right. Here's the problem. What do you do when everybody knows that something will increase in value? <laughs> Hoddle. Hoddle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the internet wrong way of spelling hold. No, H-O. no, no. It's, wasn't it hold on for dear life? It's an acronym? Oh, I guess I've seen it both ways. Okay. Or rather, I always assumed it was just the wrong way of spelling it because it was, you know. Funny. Listen up, apes. We're going to hold, you know, I'm going to get my, my best tasting crayons and explain this to you. Yeah. Um, okay, hold on for dear life. That that works too. I, I always liked the wrong way of spelling it, but you're right. I usually do see it capitalized like an acronym. Mm. Shoot. <laughs> well, mine's funnier. Yeah, there we go. And it's also funny because it does look very much like hold misspelled. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, so yeah, we hodl. People buy things up in a specular frenzy and hold on to it forever, further driving the price up to the moon. <laughs> and uh, unlike things like Beanie Babies or uh, or ape, ape, ape JPEGs, uh, you know that rents on land will always increase 
because people aren't making more land and people always need land. Uh, so if you know rents will increase, your best returns come from buying extra land, not from improving the land you already have. Uh, which is just, I, I don't know how to say it other than this is just manifestly apparent to anybody who has been trying to buy real estate uh, in any place that's been growing. Like in Denver, I, I generally buy cheap and renovate the place and make it livable. But uh, honestly, you're, you're always better off just buying another place rather than improving a place you already own because the land prices are going to go up more in the time it will take you to renovate than the return you're going to get from renovating a place. You've turned, At least places, Denver. You, you turned places around in five months. Mm-hmm. Like th- this... You know, which takes five months of labor plus twenty thousand dollars of investment. That's like how much could you make in five months working a day job? Well, I guess it depends what you want to do. But yeah, I, I guess I'm just thinking like property values go up, but they don't go up so fast. Where like you turn a place around, you put twenty k in in five months, and now it's worth fifty thousand dollars more. I um, guess you could have made thirty thousand dollars in those two, in those five months. What were you gonna mm-hmm. say? No, I was gonna say I think they do or at least they have gone up that much in that amount of time yeah. well things have been kind of ballooning lately but i don't know if that's historically precedent i was going to mention that actually just as, as a factor of like we're talking about why some land is more valuable than others why rent is higher in manhattan than it is you know even here mm-hmm. um and part of that is because like you're near all the stuff like we talked about mm-hmm. i think part of the reason that prices have gone up so much in the last few years is that the being near stuff turns out to be worth a lot less than people thought okay because we learned when everyone worked from home for a year that like Oh, it turns out we can all work from home. We don't need to be downtown to work to do our jobs. I think right. it's still desirable though to live like a. I mean, the prices in Denver are still going up, and and the prices and downtown are still higher than they are, you know, an hour away from downtown. But hour away from downtown, I think, went up a lot more than it was in in the last five years. It went up more than it did in the previous the five years before that. Right. I think because people were like, "Oh shit, I can work from my house in Castle Rock. I can do. I can work a downtown Denver job. Yeah. Right. I don't need to live downtown. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I still like prefer to live downtown uh a lot of people do and i'm willing to take like a hit for that for having stuff near me i've found suburbs to be really depressing and also just you can't walk or ride your bike anywhere in a lot of them there's no stores there's no like bars or restaurants do you want to eat food you need a car (laughs) just to get the grocery store yeah i live a five minute walk from safeway and there's there that was is a very bar unusual. Next yeah, is Denver yeah. Uh, suburbs are pretty cool, or maybe more. Denver's a weird city that kind of looks suburban. Like, yeah, it's weird here. You have I to go one street like off it. a main drag to be like in a suburb. But if you walk through an apartment uh, parking lot and then go through a fence, you're like, boom! I'm back on the street okay. with all the businesses and stuff. It's kind of fun. That seems to, that seems to be like my entire area. Yeah. If you go, That's kind of if you cool. go one one turn off the street and then one more, you're like, you can't see the main drags. You just see houses. Nice. And then you're you're just a two minute drive from traffic and and stores and stuff again. Yeah, I know my place. You'd have to walk a bare minimum of fifteen minutes to to buy groceries. It's a long way to try and keep things cold in the walk home. Well, I mean, not just that. Like sometimes people are injured. Sometimes people are old. You know, it's not everyone can like for an old person to try to walk to the grocery store and back. Oh yeah, no, that would it. that would be a major undertaking. Plus, they could only carry like what. 15 bags, 20 yeah. pounds of stuff well you get a little cart they had those in new york oh, like okay, a little yeah. personal shopping cart thing that you just have but i mean at that point then you have to go make that walk every day right yeah. or every two and then days. you're pushing a heavy cart too so like yeah. it's not yeah no there's, there's trade-offs yeah anyway so yes um i think i think living away from the metropolis area has become less of a pain than it used to be but still it's beneficial to live near stuff yeah yeah 
as Henry George says, this is a quote, although I cut out large chunks in the middle to make it shorter. Here is a little village. In 10 years, it will be a great city. Go get yourself a piece of ground and hold possession. Without doing one stroke of work, without adding one iota of wealth to the community, in 10 years, you will be rich. Um, manifestly true, right? Yeah. yeah. People buy houses without ever having set foot in them. <laughs> In the at least in the Denver area, I'm sure, and I'm sure everywhere. It's um, yeah, that the speculation is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even live in the country, mm-hmm. and they just like they sign a check for ten thousand dollars over asking, and they they own it. They let it sit empty for a year and then sell it. Yeah, it's crazy to huge profit. Yeah, it's yeah. hard for someone who wants to live in a house to buy a house here. I've been just renting since I moved here. I like thought that I would move here and buy a house. <laughs> yeah, it's hell. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had to buy one for, like what Enoch said, an arm and a leg, and I had to buy one that wouldn't exist for the better part of a year. Yeah. You're probably so. buying a potential house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would look at Zillow or, you know, Realtor.com and, like, find a hat. Like, okay, here's one that I can afford. Hey, come look at the – oh, it's gone. Yeah. That happened to us when we were looking for our townhome a few years ago. We would be in a place. We'd text Enoch's mom, who's a great realtor if you're ever in the Denver area, and – She'd be like, oh, that place just went off the market like half an hour ago. <laughs> and that happened at least twice. Damn. It was, well, wait, it was wait you were like touring the house? We're, we're inside of it. Oh, shit. And, <laughs> and in that time, it's it's gone uh, under contract for somebody else. Just imagining one of those like open houses with like snacks and, you know, that, like the realtors just like, all right, everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> those ones, the people in the house are, they're, they're, they're letting people through and they're collecting bids through at least the time that they're there and then they'll... Yeah. You know, locked house. These are ones where it's empty and you, you get to go inside and, you know, it, you get a code to get the key and stuff. Really? Where it's not an open house. let you do that? Uh, yeah, if they're empty houses. Huh. Sometimes they're not empty. Um, in fact, frequently when they're not empty. I've never, I've never gone into a house where somebody was living there and in the house at the same time. They always leave the house and they always have one of those lock pads outdoor, outside of the key in it. High trust uh, community. <laughs> You always know who's going into the house. Like the, re- yeah, the realtor has to register the time frame and stuff. Yeah. So if like, hey, my PS5 is missing. You're the only one who's here today. I'm yeah. suing the shit out of you. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Henry George um, blames speculation for uh, the boom-bust cycle of businesses and recessions that happen because he says speculation has a tendency to press the margin of production down until it's just past its limit, forcing labor and capital to accept returns so small that it actually hinders production or ceases altogether. Wait, he wrote those in the 1800s? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Were recessions a thing back then? Oh, yeah. They were worse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we've actually managed to make them much less awful through lots of government intervention. But you wouldn't even have to if we implemented these taxes, but we'll get to that later. Was, that would also take government intervention, though, right? That's true. Yeah. Wasn't he writing this during um, an early depression? It wasn't the Great Depression. It was, like, obviously, that was the 1900s, but uh, it the was... The medium depression. <laughs> I don't know. It no, was, it was uh, a bad 1879... One, uh, I don't know exactly what was happening in 1879. Probably nothing good. <laughs> Except for Henry George's treaties here. So as long as population is growing and our technology is improving, productivity will go up. Mm-hmm. And productivity will, and production will start again. But soon enough, the land value goes up. Yep. So you get the cycle. Productivity rises, economy booms, land value rises, power production stagnates or stops. Yep. Hmm. Uh, he also says that increased power of production has everywhere added to the value of land. Nowhere has it added to the value of labor. Uh, because, again, land always captures it. Uh, and he asserts that material progress cannot rid us of our dependence upon land. But it can add to the power of producing wealth from land. And hence, when land is monopolized, it might go to infinity without increasing wages or improving the conditions of those who have but their labor. Yeah, hang on a sec. Uh, I found it. Okay. 
below is a graph, there was a graph, of the boom-bust business cycle going back to the 1870s. Clearly, recessions were much more frequent and severe in Georgia's time than they are today. The late 1800s were racked with so many panics and crises and quick secession that some historians count the Long Depression, which is when he was writing it, as lasting for a full 23 years, from 1873 to 1896. That's hardcore. I can see why he'd be touchy about this then. (laughs) But yeah, no matter how much progress you make materially through new tech, more people, any sort of advances, uh, you are always dependent upon land. And, uh, And it can increase how much you can produce from any one piece of land, but you still are dependent upon land. So stop the madness. There has to be a better way. What do we do? There is a better way, according to Henry George. He says the solution is to make all land common property, like some filthy commie. Whatever you say, comrade George. (laughs) (laughs) But he says not every... It's not like being a filthy commie, because everyone continues to own their land, in quotes, exactly the same as they do now. You still have your property, you have your rights to your property, your government enforces property rights, everybody has their stuff, but there is a special tax that is imposed that neutralizes the perverse incentives of land rent. And before we get to the details of the special tax, it is important to note that it is not a property tax. Property tax, as we know today, is a tax on the value of a piece of land and its improvements, like the house. Uh, So if you're a homeowner, when you pay a property tax, you pay tax for the total value of your house and the lot it's sitting on. With a land value tax, you pay the tax only on the actual ground, the land, the stuff that was there before any human ever intervened in it. Uh, so you would never pay any tax on the house or or improvements that you made, just on the ground itself and what it is worth to society. And the thing I was unclear on, is George suggesting that this land value tax um, be used in place of like labor tax uh, as well? So that is an issue of contention because, you know, governments can take whatever they want in theory, uh, right up until the people revolt. So you could have a land value tax in addition to other taxes, but a lot of people who pro- uh, promote Georgia's land taxes point out that you could get rid of a vast majority of taxes, more than half our taxes, replace them with uh, Georgia's land use taxes. And there are quite a few people who say, honestly, you could get rid of all taxes entirely except for land value taxes if you really wanted to, although you might have to cut a few services. Hmm. Not not major cuts, but... Well, it seems like it would be worth it to make those services for pay optionally. I agree. But anyway, let's uh, continue. The they ambulance shows up at your house and your credit card just declines, so they just leave you on the sidewalk. <laughs> But all right. Uh. So the real question is, how much should we tax the land value? Because you're taxing only the land, not the buildings or other improvements that are on it. And by George, we should tax it 100 percent. Is that where the phrase by George comes from? Is this no. guy? At least I don't think so. <laughs> it was used a lot in the review. I only pulled it out one time. All right. So I have lots of questions about how this works, and I want to make sure we get to them before we get on the last wrong posts. Let's so do it. I. I you just tell me if you're going to get to this or if you should just answer. But, like, I buy a piece of land mm. and I want to, like, make money on it. Mm. Is that even possible? It's possible to do work on the land which and you will make money from the work that you do. But yeah, you... or, like, your improvements. Like, you buy the land, you build a shop, mm. you employ workers. Like, you're, you're making money off of your labor. The business does. But yeah. then I but not to... just from the, you know. Right. So, But if I want to build, say, an apartment building. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to make money on that? Absolutely. You build would... the apartment building, then you sell the apartments, and or you rent out the apartments, and uh, you make money based off of what people are willing to pay, minus the rent you have to pay on the land. 
Oh, because you're running a business out of it. Yeah. What I can't do is sell the building to somebody and make money on that. You could sell the building and make money on it. If you if it costs you a hundred thousand to make the building and you sell the building for two hundred thousand, then you have made a hundred thousand and that is one hundred percent yours. That is not taxed at all. How much do I make at the end of the day then on that? It's slightly tricky because you have to figure out the how much the land increased in value, right? You, you can land the, increase in value? Land can increase in value that's, based on what that that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Land increases in value based on uh, what we can do with it using tech, such as right. if we can suddenly refine oil, or uh, by everybody around you building. Like if some, you're building empty land, you're building an apartment on it. While you're doing that, someone builds a store right next door and a school on the other side. All of a sudden, that land is worth even more because of the stuff they're building. Uh, so if you buy the land for 100000 you build a building on it, and it costs you 100000 to build that building. So far, you've spent 200000 total. Once you sell it, you have to figure out how much of that profit is from the building that you built and how much of that is from the land itself increasing in value due to the stuff that's around it now. And let's say that the building is worth 200000 You would keep all 100000 of that and that the land itself went from 100000 to 120000 You would be taxed 100% of the 20000 increase in value on the land. Okay. And that number has to come out of some just magic calculation that... Yeah, it, it won't be based on how much people are willing to pay to live there. They actually or at least have, not solely um, on They have a number of ways of calculating what that is. They have a Zestimate. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> there's Zestimates, but there's uh, various other ways uh, that are covered in a follow-up post of figuring out how much just the land would be worth if there was nothing on it. Um, one of the ways you can do that is compared to similar properties nearby that don't have anything on them. Uh, it was... There's some great examples from San Francisco where uh, a property with a house on it was selling for like 700000 and a property very close by that was very similar but with no house on it was selling for 600000 And you could summarize from this that the house itself was worth 100000 and the land that it's built on is worth 600000 That's fair. Yeah. So that, things that like that. Right. Often they'll just buy the house that's a shithole because it hasn't been maintained in 60 years, knock it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they eat that cost and then they build, you know a nice parking lot that they can turn around and sell for a million dollars. In which case, the building was actually worth negative money right. since you had to pay to knock it down. Yeah. Okay. The, so think... th- there's ways to figure out what the value of the land would be and how much it increased by things other people have done. Okay. I think I'm with you so far. Let's keep rolling. Thanks for bearing with me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so you take the rent that a tenant has to pay each month, calculate the portion of that that is attributable, attributable to the unimproved land itself, and you send 100% of that to the IRS. Uh, so he points out it is not necessary to confiscate land. It's only necessary to confiscate rent. Which can amount to the same thing, but... No, well, confiscating land is literally taking the land away from people. Yeah, but I mean, um, the government now. Stephen's earlier example of, you know, someone with a gun knocking on your door, you know, saying, like, oh, yeah. you owe this much and you can't pay it, right. like, so get out. But... but in that case, you're forced to sell. You yeah. still get all the money from selling it. Um, you don't, but I'm sure there'd be a nice government government purchase program that would be willing to pay you fair market value <laughs> well, for that property. But, but there might also be other people around, and if those people are willing to pay you more, that's the fair market value, and you sell to them instead. And I don't want to nitpick on dumb shit like that. Let, let's take it at what it, what it's worth. But yeah, I think so. Just to clarify too, you're you're paying this additional fee when you sell, but not before. It depends on how it would be implemented. Honestly, it would probably be either an annual. It would probably be a monthly rent. And, to the government? Yeah. Or, okay. or, or a, um, an annual tax yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, right now, if you own a small business, you usually have to pay quarterly to the government. So might be quarterly. If you own a house, it's annual. Or... Yeah, if you own a house, it's annual. But it would be a thing that you have to pay to the government as a percentage of the land value. 
Okay. And yeah. so, my, so that over a period of time, it would end up to one, add up to 100% of the land value. And so my, my concern at the top of the show was like, I'm some little old lady who bought this place, you know, 1965. Mm-hmm. And then my neighbor buys a place and they strike oil and it's suddenly worth a thousand times what I paid for it. Mm-hmm. I get taxed the shit out of this place. Yes. You know, some, some IRS guy shows up with his posse of guns. Yeah. And He's like, sorry, it's now worth so much because of the oil. You got to pay us 100000 a month. And so they say, sorry, but here, your place is now worth $8 million. Mm-hmm. Would you please go move somewhere else? Mm-hmm. So that's what happens. It's not like you get taxed out and you're homeless and fucked. You actually get paid. Right. Yeah, yeah. And okay. honestly, you probably wouldn't sell it to the government. You'd sell it to the oil drilling company who's like, we would like this oil. Yeah. Okay, so that, so I was wondering, like, what would happen? Your, your value goes glove. up. First, you know, <laughs> through no fault of your own. Suddenly, mm-hmm. you can't afford to live there. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, tough shit, get out. It's like, tough shit, take your heavy-ass check and go somewhere else. <laughs> right. It would be That's, a minor inconvenience, but, like, maybe, you know. Yeah, if it's, the, if it's that expensive, it's probably worth it to sell. Hold on a sec. Pondering, pondering. No. Because 100% of the increase uh, would go to the government. Oh, yeah. So what? You're just fucked. You're back where we started, except for now everything, everywhere is more expensive and you can't afford to live anywhere. Technically, no. Because you get 100% of the value for your house. And you could take that money and buy a house anywhere else that is of equal quality. And, uh, I mean, it would suck a little bit in that you would have to pay moving costs. Uh, but... Maybe we could implement a program to help people that are screwed like that, or maybe we just tell people, "I'm sorry, you have to eat this cost because it's better for all of society." Or some of those gigantic tax pe- taxes can go to paying for movers. You know, for every person who gets nice. forcibly relocated, you don't you don't lose a dime yeah, moving yeah. your shit. I feel like right. this would be rough to implement but, if you didn't have something like that. At least even in the beginning to get people used to it. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, it would probably take some adjustment. But like the point is, there's no longer the thing where you have a house and now you can't afford to live in it and there's nowhere to go because everywhere is so expensive, literally all the houses would be worth... Any house that is like your house would be worth the same amount no matter where it is because all the land value is taxed and no one can profit off of it. So if this house is worth $100,000, you sell the house, you get the $100,000, you go buy an identical house that's somewhere else where the land value taxes are not more than you can pay. But if someone wants to buy your house that's now sitting on top of an oil reservoir, Mm -hmm. they need to pay you $10 million, right? And, and then, then you take the, the supermajority of that profit and write a check to the IRS. Yes. Right? Yeah. But that means that you couldn't go buy a place like yours. No, you oh, could. Wait, you could, just not one that's not on top of an oil. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. You would have to go find one that had approximately the same land value that yours did when you yeah. thought it before it became worth a fortune. But yeah. there would be some considerable downsides. Like you mentioned, the moving cost, but also just maybe you're attached to this house. Maybe you've done... You know, you've personalized it quite a bit. Like, yeah, you yeah. might be friends with your neighbors. You might live near your family or your job or, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, growing pains. That, that that all sounds like it's actually worth the cost. I was just making sure, like, there's no way where some unfortunate slash fortunate old person will end up homeless just because they happened to buy a place that became worth money. Right. They wouldn't be, would definitely not be worth homeless, but uh, they might be forced to move to. They would be unhoused briefly while they found a new home. And, and they might be unhappy. And that, I mean, that is a consideration. That kind of sucks if you have to move away from... It does uproot your whole life, too. I mean, you have yeah. to take time off work and whatever else you're doing to yeah. do that. But if, you know, I, I got to think, too, if, if... But ultimately, it's like, it's the price you pay for having... An equal a, society. <laughs> a, yeah, a society that isn't constantly impoverished by rent-seeking landlords. Yeah. Okay. Thinking, yeah, I just don't think the average person on the street might understand that, especially not at first. 
Yeah. It'd be hard sell. You need you need a tyrannical fist to implement this. But it sounds like it might be or a might be worth nice it. program. Well, or if you implement a uh, Georgia's land tax and 100% of the Georgia's land tax revenue goes out as UBI, split equally among everybody, hmm. I think people would be much more up for that. Yeah, I mean that would. And honestly, I'd live I there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the best thing to do because the increase in land value is due to everything everyone in society was doing. The Why land not that the take, society capture that on. value and give it right back to everyone? Yeah, yeah. it's nice. It's yeah. too nice. I'm suspicious of it. <laughs> What's uh, the, the catch? <laughs> well, one of the nice things about this, uh, th- there are some bad parts, but the best part is that it is laser focused on limiting speculation mm-hmm. because th- th- uh, apparently that makes up the bulk of inflated land values uh, and thus rent. And there would it would be impossible to profit off speculation because if you bought a piece of land for 100000 you don't improve it. You sell it later. You will only get 100000 back because if you haven't improved it, literally any increase in value must be due to the land value increasing and that is taxed at 100%. So you can't buy an empty lot, sell it 10 years later for a lot of money and keep any of that money. All of it would go to the government. Or one of these places, like you were saying, buy an empty house, hold it for a year, sell it for a profit later. They wouldn't get a profit. 100% of the profit yeah. goes to the government. They couldn't house flip. And hopefully goes back to everybody in a, as a uh, UBI payment. You could house flip though, right? Because the place still becomes worth... Yes. Yeah. If, in, if I mean, flipping you could, in, but you wouldn't really make much of a profit. If flipping means increasing the value of something by improving it, then yes, absolutely. Because no, then mean, you're, getting paid by the, you're getting paid for the labor you put in. Yeah, by flipping, I mean specifically someone who would buy a house, you know, knowing that it's going to increase in value, wait a few years, and then just sell it as is. Oh, right, I, yeah, think, no. I think that's, I meant that's somebody... Flip. That's that's holding. Renting. Yeah, yeah, that's holding. That's getting rents. I was picturing somebody buys a place and then, like, a fixer-upper does the fixing-upping. Yeah. You know. And then, okay, yeah. Then you can still sell it for what it's worth more. Yes. Because now it's a place someone can live in rather than, you know, a asbestos dungeon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the profits you get are due to your investment of labor and possibly capital. Gotcha, gotcha. Removing all the asbestos. Another nice thing about the land value tax is that if we used it to get rid of other th- taxes, like uh, income taxes, no one has to go prying into your personal life or impose burdensome, burdensome accounting rules, which, Jesus Christ, I, I cannot tell you how much of work in the accounting field is entirely created by the government. Like, there would be at least one-third less accountants if it wasn't for regulation, probably more. Um, but Yeah, screw accountants. <laughs> I, mean, I worked as an accountant for 20 years, I got nothing against them, but Jesus Christ, man. Well, they need to exist because the government set up systems where they need people to professionals to navigate this minefield their, i mean they their need businesses... to exist anyway for other stuff but they need a lot more accountants because of the government yeah i'm reminded of quarrel saying that the only reason like the ministry of magic can afford like can employ three out of four of like your classmates parents is because they're all preventing each other from getting their jobs done yeah <laughs> yep. so yeah that's and you know that's a problem because it also makes it harder for small businesses to get started and entrenches the power of giant corporations that already know how to game the rules and can hire all these accountants uh, so yeah, under a land value tax, a lot of that would go away, would make it much easier for the average person to have their own business, work for themselves, and uh, not be beholden to giant corporations. So why is nobody doing this? Because um, land owners <laughs> yeah, have, have like, a lot like of power. Amazon and... I mean, not just Amazon, like anyone that that is a landowner in today's world who mostly are people with a lot of power extract a lot of wealth through rents. Well, and you're... Like the nice, whatever middle case for this, yeah. you know, like you're you're hardly, you know, a mustache twirling millionaire. You know, I, I from do the my top... best to, yeah, be yeah. responsive to my tenants and keep the places nice. And but I realize 
And you have four, not 400. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, even if I had 400, if I had the ability and maybe like other employees who cared as much about this, maybe I have children and it's a family business and we all care about our tenants. I still think we could do a, a good job. And honestly, with 400 units, we could make a profit and just have that as our business. But the point is, it would have to be a regular business where we work, you know, 40 hours a week each, as opposed to right now where I realize a lot of my profits is because Denver has been blowing up and uh, I, I haven't had to, I don't have to work nearly as much now. And I, I think that's bad for, it's good for me because I get to sit back, do podcasts, write, that kind of stuff, but it's bad for society and I would rather live in a better society. And so I want these rules to be passed, even though, you know, it would hurt me. But fuck it, it would make the rest of humanity so much better off that it's absolutely worth it. I can I can see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I can go back to working some more. Uh, I, yeah, or if there's a UBI, I mean... Or if there's a UBI, I might not have to. Yeah. You could also, you know, write and do podcasts and not worry about how you're going to feed yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is cool. I'm glad we talked about... I know we touched base, We touched on this a year or two ago. I don't know if I was on the podcast or not. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the first time I've heard of this. And maybe I read this review. This is an older post on Lester... ASX, right? It's been a while, yeah. Yeah. It's been floating around in the uh, less wrong sphere for a while, but I feel like it's recently kind of become a hot topic. And importantly, the one last point to point out before we close on this is once land is no longer monopolized, labor isn't forced into a one-sided competition. Uh, So wages will start to go up. Because everybody's always competing to be able to use the land that is available, that is held by a few people that don't have to do anything except, you know, decide who can use the land. Like, I mean... There is some need for landlords right now because there's a finite amount of land and some people can use it and others can't. Like, that's the problem with lots A, B, and C, right? That works fine as long as there's only three people. But once there's a fourth person, how do you divvy up who works on A, who works on B, who works on C, what happens? Usually that's done by, you know, landlords deciding and they decide based on who can make the most use out of land and whoever can make the most use gets it because they get the most returns or who will work on it for the cheapest therefore keeping wages low exactly yeah but that's the other thing or who works on it cheapest <laughs> keeping wages lowest and i followed what you're saying well enough to anticipate what you're going to say all right steven i learned something yeah Yay. and and then you know the landlords accrue all this profit just from deciding who can use what which means excluding who can use the land and we can do that purely with market forces by estimate by figuring out getting a close estimate on what the land actually is valued and then charging a rent on 100% of that value. So the people who can best make use of that and pay that tax are the ones that end up using the land. It once again goes to its most productive social use uh, because very valuable land will only be able, people will only be able to pay the taxes on it if they have a very valuable use for it. And uh, that, that accomplishes the same thing of excluding people who can't do shit with the land and giving it to people who can make great use of it without landlords being in the middle and soaking up all the margin because all the margin instead goes back to society as a UBI or as other programs that the government does. Solid. I like it. I have a thought that is related to land stuff, but also relates to the last episode. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you mentioned that I'm, I'm my new house will be done here in a couple months. Mm-hmm. I'm still on the fence. I'm more, I think I've decided what to do with my current place, rent it or sell it. Okay. I think long-term strategy would be to rent it. It'll go up in value, almost certainly. Absolutely. Even with like all the, the dumb shit, you know, that is going to cost money over the next decades or a couple decades, it'll still go up. Mm-hmm. However, if I do put something like a 30% chance of like the world being transformed radically in the next 10 years, mm-hmm. 
I'll never get the benefit of holding on to this way. It's just the stress, you know? Uh, so I got to yeah. like we, we talked about, like, what am I doing differently on my anticipation that the world might change, you know, radically in the, in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. This would be an example of actually paying rent on that, that belief That's true. of like, you know what, I'm going to just save <laughs> some money every month yeah. by selling this place. Because it's going to be stress and cost for at least a year, maybe two. Well, a year or two. I don't think the world. I think the earth, the, the earth will last that long. But I mean, the one property, there is no property I've ever owned that I made any profit on uh, until at least two years had passed. Because it takes some time. So you lose money at first. I mean, that's why it's an investment, right? Yeah. But um, eventually, it starts paying out. And unlike other investments, it starts paying out after just two years, and it just keeps going up after that. Yeah, but I think people when they talk about holding on to houses, they're like, oh, once I have no mortgage on it, and I paid right, it right, off right. After in years. 2047, <laughs> yeah. then uh, you know, then I'll just be collecting rent on it, or I can sell it and you know make a big check, but it's like in 2047 we'll all be M's living on Mars. Like, <laughs> I, I it's possible we'll all be here working muggle jobs on, you know, on Earth mm -hmm. in 25 years, mm -hmm. but do we really think so? I so, don't know. I don't know. Could we actually, you it, know. It, you're, like, I mean, you're totally right. If you think things are drastically going to change soon, it's not worth holding on to it and yeah. having that stress and cost for those years. But there's still, like, I don't want to, like, take the, you know, up to 11 route and, like, stop saving for retirement or something, right? Right. Like, I do think, no matter what, I don't think retirement, when we hit retirement, will look like it does now. No. Just because... I don't know. It already people. doesn't look like it. A lot of people just aren't retiring and I mean, honestly, stay productive and healthy and nothing, sharp until they're like 80s. <laughs> even if nothing else changes except Georgia's land taxes are passed, you'd still want to sell because the whole point of the Georgia's land tax is that you no longer get these windfall profits. Could you imagine the, <laughs> the economic destruction frenzy? when it, I don't even who would be buying them? Like if, if like, hey guys, December first, twenty twenty four, we're we're doing you know this thing. Mm -hmm. Who wants to? Who wants your houses now? Nobody. <laughs> the realtor AI. <laughs> realtor I, I think there's still going to be a lot of use for um for land and for houses. I mean, people are still going to want the houses. I, oh, you'd sell to people who want to live there and not pay rent, maybe. I if guess. we still have meat bodies. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it, it would still be valuable, but you're right. There would be a selling frenzy, especially by the speculators, and how prices would come down a lot. They, I think I think they would tank immediately. Like if this was announced that it was happening irrevocably, yeah. like the they would become as worthless as they would be in two years. Like now, right? Right, right. So pretty darn close, yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to say worthless, but uh, you would no longer be able to capture the rents, and so it would be worth what it's actually worth, as opposed to probably what we paid for it. <laughs> it, 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 it'd be like being told that you know hey guys your bitcoin is all gonna be worth a nickel in three years yeah like who's buying bitcoin now right nobody yeah who's who's buying to hold for two and a half years to sell then nobody because no one's gonna buy it in two and a half years well the people who would buy bitcoin are people who can make 10 cents of profit out of every five cents of bitcoin so nobody <laughs> <laughs> right but that's I, not but, the case for it yeah, point, yeah. point taken yeah no, that's a really good point yeah yeah right people want to hide their money um okay yeah no i like it um that's a lot of fun. Thanks for, yeah. Uh, thanks for yeah. I mean, this is interesting. I learned I learned a lot about it, and for indulging me on my little side thing about the house stuff. Well, well, yeah. I think in your situation, um, what we're the most I think we can like reliably expect is just unpredictability. There's gonna or, and maybe instability in the future. We don't know what way things are gonna go, but like, and in that kind of situation, I think it's it's good to generally bet that things will be more or less the same. But not like so strongly that you're like putting, you know, that you want to make an investment in that. Like you want to, you know, continue to save money and yeah, do all the like responsible 
financial things that make sense, but not like bet on the fact that the, you know, Denver rent is going to continue to increase and that like the government and the housing market and the economy and everything will continue to stay the same so you can speculate. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's tough. You got, there's some balance between like anticipating things being the same, but then also how do you plan for a vague ass emergency? <laughs> and so like, I guess you, you look at like, well, well, this will probably happen. And if that's the case, then I should do this now, right? Like, I shouldn't buy lakeside or uh, shore shorefront property in, in Florida today, right? <laughs> because I can anticipate that'll be underwater in the not too distant future. So, like that—that's the kind of example. Anyway, that's something to think about. But I do want to say something which I probably should have said at the start of this, but I'm going to say it at the end instead. I'm a rank amateur. Uh, I do not have any training in this. I just have what I have read on the internet. So uh, I may have gotten some things wrong. Don't take you know. Don't take me as a strict authority on this, and I'm sure we will have lots of corrections to publish uh, in a few weeks. Anticipate people... it. Yeah. Well, and if, and if you know, you're know you enthusiastic about this stuff, there'll be links in the show notes for further reading, and exactly. that'll all link to a lot more reading, so yeah. you can go become an expert on this as well. So yeah. This is making me want to dig deeper into it, too, because, again, I've seen it floating around and people talking about it, and I know just the basics, but... uh. As we're talking about it, I keep finding myself, and sorry if I'm coming off negative, but like trying to find ways to kind of poke holes in it, because it it just sounds like, the way communism sounds great on paper, but then right. when you actually put it in practice, human nature ruins it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just always wonder when like you see, here's this thing that looks great on paper, and I'm like, okay, but why is no one doing it? Yeah, yeah if it was great, why wouldn't it be done? And I think that that is sufficiently answered by the fact that it would hurt some very rich people, some very rich, powerful people. Yeah. So it hasn't maybe been that done explains yet. all of it. That, but... that could be it. Yeah, but I'm with you. Like the second I find myself nodding in agreement on something, I'm like, hold on, let me start stabbing holes in this to see if I can survive that. Because if I if I if I like it, then I'm going to be inclined to agree with it. So I need to like fight extra hard to to find problems with it. Yeah. Whereas like if I already disagree with it, then I kind of just take it at face value and be like, yeah, I still disagree, right? <laughs> um, but if this can withstand all of my uh, my hole poking, then it seems like it's it, it's, it's that stronger, right? I want to believe in it, and that's why I want to be able to steel man it. I want to believe UFO poster. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe if we get enough holes poked, we can do an entire episode on, you know, covering this and the various holes that there are. That would be interesting. And also, I was thinking to talk about, because it, it seemed like we could go into territory of talking about futurism and how this would affect UBI, and that was really interesting. But, like, we were trying to get through this quickly <laughs> yes so let's go on to the less wrong posts mm-hmm. all right the american system and misleading labels yes where he points out that uh, all of our labels are kind of misleading on things because uh he starts with an anecdote about um someone joking about the, the supreme court is the legislative branch of the u.s and he kind of says you know what if you wanted to know what the supreme court really does you should just sort of blur your eyes so that you can't see the words and follow those nine people around and observe them and uh you would find that they they uh hear some people arguing with each other they talk it over with themselves they issue a short written document or two and uh, that tells people what they are and aren't allowed to do so if you were some kind of Martian anthropologist who didn't know what they were supposed to be doing, uh, you would probably conclude that they were, among other things, making laws. <laughs> among other things. <laughs> <laughs> also points out that uh, Congress doesn't really do much in terms of lawmaking. Some laws are made by congressional staff, but the vast majority are written by professional bureaucrats who, if you refocus and uh, don't read the labels, look a lot more like the executive branch. 
Because uh, if you've got a problem with a bureaucrat getting in your hair, you, you aren't going to have much luck going to the White House, but you can contact your representative, and they are really happy to help. Your congressperson would much rather help an old lady with a lost social security check than to make potentially controversial laws about immigration or intellectual property. What they prefer to do is write elaborate budgets that exert detailed control over how the government spends money. But which I'm, is a fucking executive branch! <laughs> I, I'm curious, what if you have a problem with your bureaucrat, uh, or with a, whatever, a bureaucrat, contact your local representative, they're happy to help? Mm-hmm. He's being sarcastic there, right? No, I because, think he's being honest. Because... He's saying they'd rather help people across the street or find a social security check than make controversial laws. But if your law, if your problem is that there should be a law here and there's not, mm-hmm. then they're not then they're not happy to help you. They, I mean, the contact. So bureaucrats uh, getting in your way is a thing that you hire a lobbyist to petition your congressperson for, and then the congressperson makes the bureaucrat not be in your way anymore, which is much more of a executive thing than a making a law sort of thing, right? They're finding ways to work and enforce the laws in different ways. So what he's saying here, I guess this actually needs a quick zoom out. We've got the executive branch of the government, which is the branch that does stuff. The legislative <laughs> branch. So uh, like abstractly, what we're told in school. Yeah, yeah. The legislative branch, you know, writes makes the bills laws. And, and makes the laws. And the judicial branch decides what the laws are, like if they're still just, if they're interpreted correctly, right? How to, yeah. yeah. How to how to how do the legislative the branch. Mm-hmm. And what the executive branch can do to do, to do that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what it, we're supposed to do. He's saying if you zoom out, look at what they actually do. It looks like the, it looks like the judicial branch is actually making laws. Which that the I legislative mean, branch what is actually Wade? Exactly, Aren't they basically making the, laws? Right. And so yeah. then, if, then the legislative branch, Congress and in the um, the Senate is actually the executive branch. And I guess then the president is doing fuck all. Um, um, I don't think he mentioned the president. In the the post. president doesn't do fuck all. The president fights the wars and acts as a uh, cheerleader for their side but they're not i i guess they the, also, the executive role is already taken though basically by by the legislative branch <laughs> yeah, i mean yes exactly the the white house also tends to do things like we're going to interpret the law this way and uh not enforce this particular aspect of it like we're not going to deport the immigrants that have been here for however long which kind of makes them sort of a judicial branch yeah all right fair enough <laughs> so so the point of this is, what what is the role of voters in our society if instead of looking at the labels, you just sort of defocus your eyes and look at what they're actually doing? We cheerlead and fight. Yes. They have some influence on policy, but not all that much. The, the Most of policy influence comes from bureaucrats, think tanks, uh, corporations, vested interests. Like, the voters are just one voice among very many. Uh, he says the two things that voters really have a lot of special power to do uh, is uh, things that they really only ever do in cases of great emotional arousal, like a comic book superhero who can't power up until angry, as Stephen and me were talking about before the episode started. Uh, the first power of the voters is to swap control of Congress and sometimes of the presidency between the two political parties. That's That's basically all that they ever do, is decide... Which party controls the, the the Congress and the presidency? And and also, in extreme cases, they have the power to overthrow the existing political structure entirely by placing a new party in charge. Although that has not been used for I don't know, at least a hundred years. A hundred. When was when was it that the Republicans and Democrats really became solidified as the two parties? Because I know there was a time when we had things like Federalists and Whigs and shit. Oh, I have no idea. My history knowledge is. Uh, less good than it used to be, and it was never very good. So, yeah. 
Um, but but yeah, okay. So they, so they could make, they could put a new party in charge, but they can't really change. You know, they're still playing within the same. They're still drawing in the same lines as were already existed. So unless they pl- they pull the nuclear option and bring guns to the Capitol buildings and say we're done, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That, doesn't that he mention too. that as like yeah the 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 voters have an ordinarily small potatoes power because no one dares make them really really angry, which yeah. is like all right, you know what, you're not our bosses anymore. Yeah. And but so. I mean, that it means voting in a completely different power. Like suddenly the communists get voted in or the Nazis or the libertarians or, you know, any sort of third political party aside from the two that normally they just swap back and forth between. I thought I mentioned something about how he is advocating and I meant advocating in a, I was going to emphasize in a joking way, Mm -hmm. but he says something along the lines of like, uh, you know, people can go and take back power and knock over the government. Right. But he meant put in a different party. Yeah, we'll put we'll vote in the libertarian if we don't like what you're doing. Not well, like fuck you, we'll shoot you like, all and take over. Or you behead the right? queen and you you know stick your queen in charge. That's still... I guess yeah, you're still putting somebody in charge. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I figured like if you piss them off enough, they'll take the constitution and wipe their ass with it, right? And we're like we're we're done with your guys' government. We're doing our own thing. And sure, guys... but I don't think he was going quite that far. Okay, that's still that's still an option. That is still an option. That, but at that, that is point... that's why everyone's so well, that's why everyone pretends to be so gung ho about the Second Amendment. <laughs> but at that point, you're not like a voter anymore. You're a revolutionary, right? Which is oh, different. that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, this was the post where we talked about Stephen Colbert running for president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this was funny. I remember when that happened. And the apparently the South Carolina. Democratic Party said that he was not a serious candidate and they wouldn't let him run. Which is pretty silly. Yeah. And I don't think he's the only person wondering, like, why don't they just get to vote? Because that was always, I mean... Well, he, he pointed out it's because voters are a resource of the Democratic Party, not the other way around. So they decide, um, we don't want you wasting our votes on Stephen Colbert. Right. To be fair, this is specifically talking about Stephen Colbert and the Democratic Party. Yeah. Voters but- of the Republican Party are not... In a different situation than ones of the Democratic Party. They're also resources of that party. Yes, the yeah. resources of the Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, isn't that funny, though? Like, you know, some some ballots have a write-in line where you can just put whoever you want on the line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm told that some people voted for Harambe in 2016. The gorilla. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Mickey the Mouse gorilla. always gets a certain yeah, yeah. amount of votes. What does? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse, yeah. Wow. Um, so, at least there's that. But it would be nice if we didn't have to, like, scribble in Stephen Colbert... If you could just check the box, I guess practically you want some limit on how big the paper is. Right. You know, I don't want to have to, you know, look through an alphabetical list of 6,000 names, um, especially because there'll probably be more than one Stephen Colbert if everyone who wanted to run could. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, everyone who wanted to run, I'd throw my name in there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can see. If nothing else, I'd, you know, um, what is it? Not concede, but um, what do you do when you step down? abdicate abdicate there we go i'd abdicate after a couple months and be like sweet now i have my secret service protection for the rest of my life (laughs) and i feel much better about myself love it yeah uh he says that arguably the chief historical improvements in living conditions have not been from voters having the influence to pass legislation because they don't uh which they think will benefit them but rather from power wielders becoming scared of doing anything too horrible to voters because they have that hulk power yeah, they have the Hulk power to be like, you know what, fuck all you guys, we're putting this third party in power instead. Uh, by identifying with politicians, the voters become less likely to remove the politician from office. By identifying with parties, voters become less likely to swap the party out of power, or cast it from government entirely. Both identifications interfere with the plausible threat. That's uh, the 
two powers that the voters had before. So, the power wielders can get away with doing more and worse things before you turn on them. Entirely because you're identifying with politicians or, um, or parties. I think the reason I thought he was saying go full nuclear with the second option wasn't... Because the, he says, you know, voters have two superpowers. Uh, one that they use when they get super angry, like mm-hmm. the Hulk, which is we can switch who's in charge between the Reds and the Blues. Mm-hmm. And then the other power... is when they get super, super, super And they angry. put the Greens in instead of the Reds or Blues. Exactly. See, I thought that it was like... Because the example he uses, it's like a hidden superpower that can only be used... Like, if they get really, really angry, like when a comic book hero sees one of their friends killed. And I'm like, they, uh-huh. don't, they don't, I was like, okay, they don't usually just like go for the third option there. They, th- you know, uh, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, he, he destroys S.H.I.E.L.D., you know? Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't put a different boss in yeah. charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's no longer the act of a voter at that point. <laughs> yeah. If but, you're okay. going to still define someone as a voter, they have to do it by voting. In his defense, Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier hadn't come out yet, so. Yeah. Um, all right. How could he have known? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll let it slide. Yeah. So he's saying that the, the heated color wars between voters on any particular issue uh, are net advantageous to politicians and net harmful to the populace because this color war implies that large efforts are being spent on tugging back and forth between the two rather than possibly being like, fuck you guys, we're out of here. Here's a new party in charge. But Inyash, stop yeah. the madness. There has to be a better way. <laughs> oh. Perhaps we should stop voting for income poops? Is, is, how do we do that? <laughs> That's a good question. It's the next post. Uh, he again points out that our instincts, uh, if there was a thing that a, if ev, evolutionary psychology could say in a simple sentence, it would be that our instincts are adaptations that increased fitness in the ancestral environment. And we go on feeling that way regardless of whether it increases fitness today. Clearly. Sounds uncontroversial but i'm sure someone will have to find some way to be controversed by that (laughs) uh so anyways when people choose political sides they feel drawn to the faction that seems stronger and in a better position to win uh he points out that california had a special election for governor that uh had 135 candidates due to the nature of the special election and the fact that the two major parties couldn't couldn't restrict it like they usually do but the, immediate, the media immediately swung into action and decided that only a tiny fraction of these candidates would get any publicity. They collectively um, exerted such tremendous power in near-perfect coordination without deliberate intention, which is the really cool part, I think. Um, cool? Hmm. Well, because... Cool. cool, like watching a meteorite come for the planet. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's cool doesn't mean good. No, no, not yeah. good. But, like, especially the fact that they didn't do it with deliberate intention. It was just like, well, obviously, there's only these serious candidates was the really interesting part, I thought. What's funny, and, well, you get to this at the end of this line here. I don't know if you want to finish the quote. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, with coordinated action, the media could have chosen any not completely pathetic candidate to report as the frontrunner, and their reporting would thereby have been correct. And (sighs) what I thought was absolutely hilarious about this is that Eliasuriakowski has very strong Cassandra prophecy powers because this is what happened with Donald Trump. Who's Cassandra? Uh, Cassandra was the person who was cursed to have the power of prophecy, but no one would ever believe her prophecies. That's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, D- Donald Trump, you know, they kept focusing on him. And even though what they were saying is this guy is a clown, he's a joker, he doesn't have any chance. Just the fact that they gave him nonstop coverage all the time rocketed him into the presidency. What's funny is like if he had, if Eliezer had made a joke about Donald Trump here, I'd have assumed he was from, this would have been evidence that he's from the future. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I thought the exact same thing. The difference, though, with Trump versus the thing that he laid out was that he said that the uh, um, with coordinated action, the media could have chosen any non-completely pathetic candidate yes, to report. Yes, but they chose a pathetic one. Well, there's that, but also to report as the front runner. Mm-hmm. They don't even have to do the second part. Yeah. They just have to find somebody and put them on the TV a lot. Yeah. yeah. And they don't have to say, he's look at this look at this front runner. They just have to be like, look who's on TV a lot. Yeah. And if I, I know that there was more than a dozen. Weren't there more than 20 presidential candidates in 2016 for the Republican Party at, at one point? I don't point? think there were that many yeah, there were more than a dozen there were more than a dozen it might have been pushing 20 but the thing is yeah i don't i could name three others maybe yeah. and uh the the one of them you know got the most screen time because it was the most you know absurd option yeah. and being on tv a lot turns out to help you chances so here's an interesting thing i think the voters used their super hulk power uh in 2016 absolutely they did yeah because i donald trump isn't either of the two major powers like they both hated him right up until he actually got elected. And then all the problems were like, oh, shit, okay, we got to follow this guy. But they, the voters were like, fuck all of you. We're going to take this complete asshole because he's the basically third-party option, even though he's running as it a Republican. like a protest vote. Yeah, yeah. That, like a vote to smash the system. I think... And also no one took him seriously, though. So, like, I actually heard people being like, lol, I'm going to vote for Trump, like, mm-hmm. as, you know, an act of protest. But He they, was the Harambe vote. They didn't actually expect him to win. Yeah. I wonder, like, I think you're probably right, and there's definitely something to that, but it doesn't explain the phenomena of people who love the guy, think he's right about everything, mm-hmm. and think he is, you know, that the 40 million crimes he's been charged with, or he's been accused of, are just witch hunts. Well, I mean, like, those are the people who are like, fuck it, burn the system down, here's a third party. But they seem to actually believe some of this They stuff. were actually very angry, though. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. some, some a lot are... of the people who voted for Trump were completely disenfranchised and... Uh, like the if you're gonna... amount that people, you know, people taking shots at Trump. Some of those were pretty low blows. But they, but, they, but, they but these people didn't, they weren't just voting in a Harambe. They were, they were voting in somebody that they claim to believe is actually awesome. Well, again, if you're going to Hulk out, you actually have to be really pissed off. And the voters really were strongly upset and emotionally engaged, the ones that voted for him. And that doesn't go away just because he got voted out four years later. There's, there's still all that pent up emotion no, but but you can you can hulk out and be pissed and vote in the I like just Harambe as the stand-in, mm-hmm. um, but not say he was the best choice objectively and like he's actually a great president. Right, you right. would say fuck you, that's what you guys get. I put in a monkey in office, <laughs> like but you, yeah. you don't stand by and say the monkey's a genius. You guys are all morons. Those are two different types of pro- like there was ang- he was definitely voted in out of anger, but the anger was coming from different places. But I, I guess what I'm saying you is that putting him your... in anger doesn't doesn't explain why some people think he's a good president. Well, you still want your third party to do something, and if once you've thrown your your lot in with that third party, you probably are very defensive of it. So they're they're just doing the thing of like kind of sunk cost or com- you know commitment and consistency. I think yeah. a lot of people um, identified with Trump because they considered themselves to be like they considered Trump to be a businessman, you know, just a regular guy who made it. And he was on TV, and he's relatable, and he's going to support business and, and, like, fight for their interests. But then why do I have to go from that to be like, you know, this whole Russia thing is a, is a hoax, you know? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you be allowed to say, well, I thought he was cool, and I'm glad that nope. I, I, threw a wrench in the, I threw a wrench in the system. <laughs> that's not a thing humans but, like to do, to okay, admit so, that they were wrong. They'll just double down. Okay, that, that's also, in saying. addition to that, everybody was very visibly against him in the media establishment and in the political establishment like that that's just uncontroversially true right nobody liked him that was part of the pre-trump establishment and they worked against him a lot and so you can 
if you actually believe in Trump, say like, well, obviously they're going to say whatever they want because they hate him so much. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you can see you him as the underdog. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you don't believe anything, even the stuff that's obviously true, because like, well, they're in the pocket of people who hate Trump or whatever. I guess that doesn't explain the current loyalty then. Like, wouldn't people be like, okay, you know what? You're not allowed to actually become president if you if you engage in espionage, which it seems like something like that might have happened. Um, Again, so who's telling you to engage in espionage? Uh, I guess the FBI. And so, is FBI part of the entrenched power that's been around for at least 70 years? I mean, he appointed the head of the Department of also, Justice. Also, what media but, are these people reading uh, and seeing? You yeah. know, like... Okay, so, <laughs> I I mean... I mean, I think they're wrong, but I see why. So, I get... No, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about muggles in the street reading the news. I'm talking about other people in high office government. Mm-hmm. They're not getting all the news from the Washington Post. They're talking to the Attorney General, you know? Like, well, oh, pretty much everyone else in the high government doesn't like him, aside from the people who think they can ride his coattails to power. I guess I would just think, like, one, the second that you think his coattails aren't going to power anymore, you'd think they'd turn around and shit on him. Well, they have been. <laughs> yeah, some have been, but his coattails do lead to power in some cases. Okay. Well, Remember when he, uh, <laughs> when he supported Eric, and then Eric won? Right. Yeah. That, yeah, this was great. It, it was, uh... Two different Republican pri- primary candidates in what state? I don't remember. It doesn't actually matter. Yeah. And he just went on and said he endorsed Eric. And they're both named Eric. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it really does help you among some voters to be endorsed by Trump. And so people can can use his name for power if they uh, support him. I guess In some know. cases, depending on, you know, the constituency, the area, not everywhere. Obviously, being a Trump supporter will not get you any votes in New York City. Yeah, uh, well, I, I think the post even goes on to kind of anticipate what, well, sort of, but it says, uh, you can make fun all you'd like. If you don't vote for a lizard, you might, the wrong lizard really might get in. Right. I'm sure they're all lizards and they suck, but my lizard's less shitty than, than the wrong lizard. That's literally how I felt in 2020 when yeah. everyone was like, if you don't vote for Biden-Harris, Trump might get in. And I'm like, you're telling me to vote for a lizard because the wrong lizard might get in. I feel like this is offensive to lizards. <laughs> yes, as a lizard advocate, Jace just contention with the analogy. Eliezer says, make them work for your vote. Vote for more of the same this year for whatever clever-sounding reason, and next election, they'll give you more of the same. So no matter how clever the reason is, even if it's to keep out someone like Trump, if you vote for more of the same, you'll get more of the same. I was going to say they can only do that like three more times because then Trump will be dead, but uh, <laughs> they'll always be the next Trump, yeah. right? So they can just keep saying, we're not that guy, and if they if that keeps winning, they'll just keep saying that. He has this awesome example that I like a lot. He says, consider these two clever-sounding game-theoretical arguments side by side. One, you should vote for the less evil of the top mainstream candidates, because your vote is unlikely to make a critical difference if you vote for a candidate that most people don't vote for, like a third-party candidate, for example. Or you should stay home because your vote is unlikely to make a critical difference. I remember this came up a lot when we talked about voting, man, in 2016 and in 2020. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it, because I get to do both of these. Because in Colorado, you get to vote from home. Yeah. That's always been the way here. Yeah. And so it always well, blew my mind to everyone. It's like, well, it's such a big investment that you're doing for no purpose. I'm like, it takes me three seconds, mm-hmm. right? Like, I can, I can do it while watching TV. Um, I don't have to go stand in line all day in the rain. But mm-hmm. I forget that that's the case in, with a lot of the country. So. Yeah. But you still. But a lot of people told me if you're not voting for Biden, you are wasting your vote because there's no way a third party is going to win anyway. And I don't see how that is much much of a difference beside much of a difference to don't bother voting because your vote doesn't make much of a difference anyway. Which is true, right? 
Yeah. I think the thing is, like, you can't generalize, like, the don't vote, it's pointless mindset without just giving away the votes to the people who don't tell their population that, right? Right. So, you, I think the people are like, oh, it's not worth it, you know, econo- economically, it's not worth the time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, if you sell that to enough people, then you get all the smart people who listen to arguments like that not voting, and then the dumber lizard gets in, But right? Yeah, I agree, but then I also feel like... Doesn't that generalize as well to people say, don't vote for a third party because it's wasting your vote? If I rejected the thought that my vote doesn't matter, so I shouldn't vote, then shouldn't I also reject the thought that my vote doesn't matter if I vote for a third party, so I shouldn't vote for a third party? Yeah. Like, they're the same argument. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I'm like just saying like... that you shouldn't tell people they shouldn't vote, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 These two arguments are basically don't vote for a third party also don't vote for a second or first party just don't <laughs> vote <laughs> <laughs> that comes down to vote for the candidate that you think other people will vote for because you want your color to win at any cost rather than you know actually voting for who you care about and i think this is also you know how trump took over the republicans because all the republicans once you got voted into the office were like well people are voting for trump so uh we need to support him for our color to win because that's the most important thing at any cost which is bad yeah not a great strategy yeah. i don't know i i just feel like we've already talked this talked about this yeah i think and we it's hit... kind of depressing yeah. <laughs> i think we did hit this though but yeah. um you know part of this is a, is a you know from the time this was posted which would have been uh, uh the more naive age well you know it was pre-Trump. just like it was it was a you know wasn't this pre-2012 Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This is 2007 still. Yeah, yeah. 2007. That's what I meant. So this was, you know, when Obama was running for president and stuff, and it was. Mm, this was five years before Obama ran for president. 2008. Would have still been Bush then? Because two... 2008 to 12. Oh no, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. So this this was around the time Obama was running for president. Yeah, My bad. This yeah, was okay. when like voting and stuff was very exciting and popular. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of en- energy behind it. So I get why it was. You know, this was a, worth talking about and worth saying. Just like everything else on the on the on the site, don't do the stupid thing. Yeah. I think it's still worth talking about because we. I still personally hear the thing about don't waste your vote. Yeah, people need to get off their case about that. Like um, Eliezer says, don't worry about wasting your vote. Your vote always sends a message. You might as well make it a true message. Yeah. Clear your mind of distractions and stop voting for nincompoops. I like it. What people need to do, at the very least, is anyone who says don't vote, it's a waste of time, can't also say voting for a third party is pointless. Yeah. So, unless they're going to say it's exactly as pointless as voting. So, at least then they're being consistent. (laughs) All right. So next time, we got rational versus scientific evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. Much excite. (laughs) And a failed just-so story. Indeed. All right. Should be fun. Join us for that. And before we go, we do the last thing where we think of patron. Hell yeah, we do. This week, Kevin, or this fortnight, Kevin Kirk. You are this episode's hero. Uh, Kevin Kirk. I wish I thought of a way to tie in something to George's land tax or, you know who's on a nincompoop? Kevin Kirk. Hell yeah, that yeah. works. <laughs> Go for Kevin. Yes. Kevin will give us the Georgia slant taxes we all need. I love it. Kevin, you better follow up on that. Not make a liar out of me. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. <laughs> all right, this is great. See you all back in a couple weeks. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.